Hey, Spit and Chicklets listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Shall I take your order, or do you need a minute? Yes, I'll be ready. Just buying a car on Carvana. What? It's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. What? That's handy. Yeah. Now I'm customizing my down and monthly payments. What? That's an exquisite deal. And just like that, Carvana's delivering my car in a couple days. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, Sorry, I'll have the burrito. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 310 of Spittin' Chicklets, presented by Pink Whitney from our friends at New Amsterdam Vodka here in the Barstool Sports Podcast family. What's up, gang? Good to get back in the saddle again last week. Last week, looks like things are coming together for the upcoming season. We'll get to that shortly. Let's say hi to the fellas first. Mikey Grinelli, our producer. How goes it, brother? It goes very well. I found out Grinellikoff is being added to NHL 21. I bought myself Ooh. some Christmas decorations, and I received an extremely nice, nice text from Keith Yandel last night complimenting the NBD merch that Ryan is wearing right now. So I'm in a very, very chipper mood. Do you have ever thought in a million years you'd be in a fucking video game, G? Nope. No chance. <laughs> Keith's still waiting for a DM reply. Zonk. <laughs> Wait, Grinelli, are you going to be a, a, like a free agent or like a draft pick? No, Grinelikoff, like the the name Grinelikoff has been added. So they had the announcers go back and re-record the name Grinelikoff. So anytime like my guy scores a goal or you can create a player and you can be Grinelikoff. Wait, you didn't name him Grinelikov? I named him Grinelikoff, yes, because I'm, I'm Russian. Born in but Siberia. There, there's an I, right? It's not Grinelikov. Like, is there the I there? Oh, yeah, Grinelikoff, yes, but it's Grinelikov. Okay, that's what I wanted to make sure. Pronunciation, wet. Promo code biz twenty twenty percent off Russian gas. Biz is making money off the Grinelkov jerseys that could possibly oh, fuck be sold off. someday. Men's league sweater, shout out. What's um, up, biz nasty? What's going on? We we just interviewed Wolski. That it's it hasn't released yet, but he was talking about the vitamins. Yeah, we so we got him. we got some. Well, I know, but he ain't going to be dropping this episode. But so so everyone listening doesn't know that that happened. But so we have two more terms now. We are we have two terms total. We have the Russian gas and the vitamins. Looking forward for, to you guys hearing that one. You have a big amount, big announcement, RA. Um, well, I got a couple announcements. First off, I have to give a shout out to uh, Drew and Brendan here in St. Petersburg, Florida, for allowing me to use their internet in their Florida room. Uh, I have Wi-Fi in my hotel room, but it didn't have enough juice to do the show. So Granelli said, "See what you can do." And uh, a couple of listeners, I met them getting a Cuban sandwich the other day, and they were very generous and allowed me to come and record in the show. So can it's. You- uh, if I buy a place in Florida, um, can you grab who did their ceiling for me? Because I'm going to call them. <laughs> this, yeah. I like the old, I told him the old school vibe reminded me of the house I grew up in with that the 1960s tile and shit. But no, from what I'll, I'm looking at right now, it looks like someone, someone is living in there that Dexter's going to end up off yeah, at some point. Yeah, good knowing you are, eh? <laughs> Grinelli's going to have to start hosting the show now, too. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just a little little paint chip. I'm just going to make sure I don't eat them on my tuna like I did when I was a kid. But yeah, Biz, you did mention we have a major program and note we want to share. Uh, we'll be dropping our next episode. Can on I get two- introduced? 
Ah, one time okay. I don't the fucking wit dog. Then th- last bad. but not least, the wit dog, Ryan Whitney. Sorry. <laughs> no, don't be sorry. I need to explain to you my Monday. <laughs> you know you have those days. Yeah. I actually thought at the end of the day, I was like, at least I can tell this story on the podcast. So I wake up early, 630. I grab Wyatt. I take the diaper off. This dude hoses all over me, hits me in the chin. I'm, I just, I, I'm covered in his piss. Whatever. No big deal. Like that happens all the time. So, but this one caught me in the chin. You know, it's up in the face. It's disgusting. So whatever. The day goes along. My back's killing me. All of a sudden, I, I, I just moved quick. Like that's where I'm at right now, where I'm just making quick movements. It's locking up. It's a nightmare. I, I actually, I said, fuck. Like, cause I knew I, I'm now doing, I'm now done for two days, you know, locked up. Yeah. So now I'm like, oh my God, it's, it's not even 8.30 or maybe it's like 9.30 at this point. So the day goes along, the day goes along and I'm now going to go get an MRI on my neck. Now, it just so happened that my neck locked up the day that I was going to get the MRI. This thing's been scheduled for about a week. I'm trying to get figured out what's going on in, in my upper back. It's just it's whatever. I don't want to get into it. So I'm driving along. Saturday, we'll take you back two days. I bought a new car, 2021 Cadillac Escalade. This thing is a beast. I looked at it online. I loved it. So I went and got it. I'm driving along. I'm driving along. Saturday, I enjoy it. Sunday, I'm like, this car is great. So I'm driving along. Sorry, I went back there. Driving along, driving along Monday. I'm driving to the MRI. I'm like, this car is so fucking awesome. Like, they changed the inside. I just love driving it. 70 miles an hour. Buddy, the car broke down. No, completely. I'm like, what the fuck? I thought I ran something over where it like felt like there was like a human or maybe a cone or something that I'm like dragging. Like the thump, the thump, the thump. I get over. I just immediately I go over to the breakdown lane. This is on 95 North, right? This is right near like Waltham. The cars are buzzing. Cars are going 70 to 90 miles an hour and the, there's a breakdown lane but it's it's not that wide and you see the horror stories of people fucking scary looking. as fuck dude yeah you, two hours two hours i waited the car said rear axis axis off or something like that i don't know what's going on it at, at one point it wouldn't even start i turned it off i tried to restart it it started and it was shaking like i was in a fuck like on the gravitron you remember that that ride at canopy lake or oh, that's more spinny but still I'm sitting there. I'm panicking because cars are buzzing by and this car now won't even turn on. And I'm like, this brand new fucking car. Are you shitting me? So I wait two hours. I get towed to the dealership to get a loaner car. But now I had to miss the MRI. So I had to call. I had to cancel the MRI. I'm like, what a fucking day. My neck's killing me. I smell like piss and I can't even get the MRI I need along with my brand new truck being a fucking lemon. So I get home. I grab my phone, sitting on the couch. I go on Twitter. I'm so embarrassed to admit I'm like a, I'm like a 70 year old with, with, with pulling this move. This is something that you get grandfathers with. I'm a grandfather. And I get a tweet that's now deleted, Grinelli, from like Twitter support team or whatever. Looked very official. Blue check mark. I click on the link. I don't know, 1,700 followers. Says something like, there's a copyright infringement in one of your tweets. Sign in now to correct this issue. Now, I immediately think back. First of all, my, I immediately think back to like 
we got emails or something that music on Twitter could get you suspended. Grinnell, you know what I'm talking about? I was like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I have a song on there. Lots of DMCA's flying around right now. I sign into this thing. It takes you to a link where you just put in your your Twitter name and password. Next thing you know, boom, 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 my phone's going off like a like a July Fourth fireworks. My phone. They hacked into my Instagram, my Gmail, my Twitter, my. There was one more. What was the other Venmo? You said Venmo. My Venmo. I don't know what the fuck happened, but they overtook it. They were signing in from Turkey. They were signing in from California. There was one in Louisiana. Just, just I was getting attacked. Seal Team sixty nine. So just, just yeah. So swoop, everything, swoop right everything in. that Monday. You know, you think of people out there and they're struggling and they're having a tough time. Think of Ryan Whitney's Monday, December sixth. The Russians and, and, and finally then, got their payback. Russians are getting their payback. They're coming after you. But you followed up with that Wolski interview and talk about battling back and, and, and grinding through it. Dude. Oh, you this guy, it. this you guys are going to love this interview. And it isn't today. I didn't mean to interrupt yeah. you. It isn't today, but you're going to love it. So, all right, quite, I needed the intro because I needed to yeah. get it off my chest. That's fun. That's hilarious because I was like, I got distracted when Biz mentioned to throw it to the, the programming note we had. I got <laughs> caught up with that. Uh, first off, I do want to mention we do have two guests on today's episode. We have player agent Alan Walsh. Uh, he comes on to break down and put it into layman's terms uh, what's going on with the, the the league and the union and all the bullshit of the last couple of weeks. And uh, we chatted with him for a bit. Interesting fella. Like I said, he has a, a pretty fun Twitter follow as well. And we have Glenn Metropolitan, who was an NHL veteran for about I don't know, 10, 12 years, played here in Boston for a little bit. Well, I'm in Florida now, but uh, great little player, man. I enjoyed watching him play. He had a, he has a very interesting story from where he came from and the fact he made it to the NHL. He, he certainly beat the odds, so we'll be getting to that a little bit shortly. Uh, but yeah, Biz, uh, we want to let the folks know we're going to be switching things up a little bit here on Chicklets. Uh, instead of dropping on Thursdays, we are going to be dropping on Tuesdays, starting this upcoming Tuesday the 15th. And we'll be doing each subsequent Tuesday going forward for, I don't know, I guess the foreseeable future. I know you guys wanted to, to chime in here, Biz, if you want to go first. Well, it's awesome. Another thing, too, is we just dropped our first full episode on YouTube, episode 309 with Pierre Maguire on Monday. So the plan was is Thursdays and Mondays. And Grinelli's like, why not give these people the ability to listen during the week if they're commuting, dropping it on Tuesday, but also we're going to be able to follow up two days later. So Thursday mornings or actually, sorry, in the afternoon Thursdays. So two days later, basically, with the full YouTube length episode. So I know it's not right away like some people do it. We're trying to innovate and get better and, and pay attention to the consumer, you guys. And we feel like the Tuesday drop and then followed by the Thursday YouTube launch will be perfect and everybody can get what they need at the right time. So that's, that's how I feel about it, Wit. The, our users kind of direct us to what we do. Yeah, and I saw some, you know, not a ton, but some complaints of like, well, why would you draw? Some, someone wrote me, why would you drop it uh, as the pod on Tuesday and not right then as the video. And that just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And in the end, if you'd rather watch it on video, you just wait two extra days. It ends up being the same thing, right? Thursday I, pods. Yeah, Thursday exactly. Pods. So I, I actually enjoy doing it. I think it's cool. You think you also, if, if you listen to our pod, I think if you went and watched certain things and when conversations are happening, I think you'd have totally different opinions on like, how our relationships are, how the podcast goes. Cause I think there's times that we probably sound either more serious or more joking around than we are actually when you see us on camera. Do you know what I mean? 
I would completely agree. So YouTube's cool. You're getting into that. We did the Chicklets Cup, Grinelli's. You know, we've, we've, we've really grown that channel, that YouTube channel. And we have so many funny videos, I think, when you get guests on that, that are telling good stories and the way they're animated. So I love it. And, and you mentioned, Ari, that we are going to one a week. Yeah, starting Tuesday. So, so yeah, so yeah. I, 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 I hope people aren't really disappointed by that. I, I, I understand. For good. For good. But, yeah, for this good. Is, yeah, we're good. We're going to one episode a week for good. And, and, I, and I, if you are disappointed, I am sorry about that because we appreciate so much that you want like more content from, from us for. And, and, and that's like the craziest feeling in the world. But personally, and the, and the guys, um, we all kind of agree that I think our show's better once a week. I think that it's, I think it's fresher. Or is it more fresh, boys? Sorry, I'm real bad with fresh, that. Whole fucking fresher, thank you. Fresh, fresh off. Fresh, uh, so fresh, listen, exciting. going forward, I think you're going to love it because I think the product's going to get better. I think it's going to get improved. I think we're going to be able to do interviews right before the day of the show, which changes in terms of like banking interviews and how things can go stale. So we love all of you guys. We, we appreciate your support in more than you'd ever understand. Realist, real, realistically, I promise you that. But two days a week at times, it was just a little too much. You know, hockey's a weird game. You, you need a little bit more time to digest the major stories. And instead of boring you with some details Bingo. and stats that we don't really want to get into ourselves because we don't know that much about, you stick with one week, one week period of NHL events and, and our lives and, and you go at and we, we go at it and we have, you know, two to two and a half great hours a week. So um the sandbaggers are going to be getting bigger so we just want to say thank you and kind of explain why we will be going back to one episode a week biz when you came on going to two episodes a week was was an awesome idea it was it was great and it really really helped us grow and then i think like any profession or job like you reach certain plateau you know you can plateau and you can kind of figure out what's working what's not so we're, exactly. we're going to go back to once a week and we're excited Guys, we're still learning. This is this is very new. And, and as I said, the, the reason I spend so much time online, it's like I try to read what the consumer wants. And oh, I think going read down, the read the room a little bit. And, and uh, it's just like we're not newsbreakers. We, we kind of ingest everything that's going on and what people are saying. And we give our opinions on it. And, and more than anything, we just want to have fun and, and get these awesome stories out of these guys. And guys, another we talked about one of the guests today, Alan Walsh. We don't know a lot about what how the the, the behind the scenes business aspect works and we got him on and he breaks a lot of things down to where we would have never, never been able to and christ i mean like when you're asking me to do that type of stuff i, I sound like that that kid there's that video on youtube when he's like for like fucking two minutes and then you got to try to listen to my opinion on something i know nothing about so we're just going to ask the stories we're going to get great guests on we're going to have a ball and uh is that pretty is that is that summed up well g yeah, and I think also, I'm sorry, G, I mean to cut you there, but it's Tuesdays pretty much right after the weekend, too, and big stuff tends to happen on the weekends, at least, you know, news-wise, like to wrap up the weekend, and it's better to do that with a Tuesday up than a Thursday episode as well. Done. Done. And we're going to be able to focus on all new things, too. I think that's the emphasis here is all these sandbaggers are coming out. We have the animations, the Twitch channels. There's so many different avenues we can take this brand, and we're going to be able to do that now because of uh, – yeah. Like Alan Walsh versus Gary Bettman, Rife and Rowdy in Winnipeg. It's going to be fucking <laughs> tremendous. Uh, looking forward to you guys listening to this interview. And uh, what else do we got? Imagine before the that, training right? videos yeah. of those two. Oh. <laughs> they have knee braces on, hitting the bag. 
Yeah, well, Biz, the reason we're all here, obviously, the NHL, and it's looking like we're going to get a 56-game schedule, uh, looking to start mid-January. January January 13th is the date being bandied about. Uh, There's going to be four divisions. There's going to be the All-Canada Division. And then we got uh, a little mix-up from what they first reported. We got Boston, Buffalo, New Jersey, the Islanders, Rangers, uh, let's see, Philly, Pittsburgh, Washington, a one division, Carolina, Columbus, Detroit, Chicago, Florida, Minnesota, Nashville, Tampa, and another uh, Anaheim, Arizona, Colorado, Dallas, LA, San Jose, St. Louis, Van- I'm sorry, not Vancouver, Vegas, and the other. Um, so that's a little nice little wrinkle different than what we got. Sick read, does. <laughs> Camps could open as early as January 3rd. They might uh, expand the rosters a little bit given the situation with COVID. Uh, but bottom line is, uh, as Anna will tell us shortly, is the NHL owners try to fucking squeeze a little bit more money and the players weren't going to have it. And they, uh, they essentially called their bluff, but. Either way, we're going to have hockey soon enough, boys. What, what, what say you, Wit? I just love seeing that we have concrete you know, news. Does that make sense? Concrete news. Things, yep. that are, things that are now facts that we're getting a season. Now, I don't think many people or they shouldn't have worried about the whole season being canceled, but I think it's going to work out good. I know, I know we talked about how, how is it going to go down even the first time with COVID and, and the way it's increased now. It's like there are certain question marks, but just to have news as a hockey fan that we'll be getting action soon enough, that we're going to have storylines, we're going to have a Stanley Cup winner, and maybe at some point we do have fans at the end if the vaccine's out next year by June. Who knows? It's just positive news to know that we have action soon enough. The only crazy thing is, is that that many games in that short amount of time with, with not that much time to get ready because who knows how people are going to – like guys flying in and traveling right now, there's certain question marks out there to really – confuse you in terms of how camp's gonna go so you could see maybe injuries here or there we don't want to say that but you know busy you got to get the body going you got to get feeling loose oh. you can't just hop into these these games groins would be that was my my one thing I, I was happy to hear 56 games not too much i don't know how they're going to condense the schedule because if they do do it like really tight wrap then you probably will see the same amount of injuries you would have seen in an 82 game season but 56 is perfect i played in a or so did you in a 48 game season, yes, a, a half year lockout. Uh, it was, you know, it was a sprint, sprint right out of the gate. You got to have a good start. You got to sustain it. You got to be rolling into playoffs. So it's going to be exciting hockey from the drop of the puck. There's always the upside of the fact that they're going to start reintroducing fans, which is the uh, man. If they could ever get to back to 100 percent capacity, we all know that playoffs with with fans is it's a, an electric factory. But 56 games. I, I would assume less injuries, and then we're going to get the same type of playoffs given the circumstance of a pandemic. And on top of that, the all-Canadian division, and you're getting these different types of rivalries. Yeah, I love that. I love Absolute that. 20 milligram fucking Cialis. I'm hard as a rock right now as you far can't... as excitement. <laughs> just hard 20. as a rock. All right. Fair. I, I, I just think that the whole the whole thought process on the divisions and how it all broke down is crazy to me because – Colorado and Tampa are going to just murder teams. And it, it's crazy to see that the, the, what, what's the division on the Metro is the, is the, it's the toughest division of the, of the, in the league, I would say. Right. And it got even harder. It, you pretty much what you're looking at. So yeah. it, it's going to be, it's going to be weird to watch how it all plays out. I love the all Canada thing, Biz. I, I think that those rivalries will be sick. 
Now, here's what I'm wondering, and, and I'm sure they're, they're on the ball, but you got to think if a team's going into to place a division opponent, you got you should play two games, right? Two at yes. least two games every time, back to back, or I don't know, three like a baseball three and, series. Yeah, yeah, three and five days, so you can really limit how many times teams have to travel. I'm sure that'll go down, but oh, I that I have. Again. I had the idea, and I didn't suspect they would do it, Biz, but going instead of four divisions, I know everyone gets hung up on that. Go five divisions, right? Have each division win automatically get in the playoffs, and then the next 11 highest points, and then seed them one through 16. The NHL's done wackier things in their history as far as playoff history, where you can just get any two fucking random teams. Like, who cares? It's going to be an off year. Huh? My brain, I've, my brain doesn't have the capacity. That would, be, that would be unreal. Yeah, my my brain doesn't have the capacity to understand what you just broke down. But hey, if if somebody, some of you are listening, thinks RA's got a point, let's roll it, baby. Yeah, let's I mean, talk already, to Gary. Let's get Gary on. It's it's basically, what he's saying, he's saying the Coyotes could play Vegas in the Cup final. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and they actually did see them. I want to say it was 80, 1980, maybe. They seeded they them 1 through 16 for a couple of years there. So, you know, you had like the Bruins versus the Kings in like the first round of the playoffs. You had like crazy matchups that, you know, that would be, that would be today. so, I think that would make the playoffs so, ex- I think the it would explode the viewership. I think that would be huge. Yeah, it would be such an X factor. And hey, I mean, fuck it. If, if it's already going to be, you know, a different sort of season, then, you know, fucking dive in with both feet, right? All right, well, like we mentioned, we reached out to Agent Alan Walsh to break this down for us simpletons on the show and uh, maybe make it uh, more in layman's terms for you guys. But first, we want to mention that... Shall I take your order, or do you need a minute? Yes, I'll be ready. Just buying a car on Carvana. What? It's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. What? That's handy. Yeah, now I'm customizing my down and monthly payments. What? That's an exquisite deal. And just like that, Carvana's delivering my car in a couple days. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry, I'll have the burrito. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply. And now we're going to send it over to Alan Walsh for his perspective. Well, and now we're going to bring on a gentleman who can help explain what's transpired over the last week or so regarding the league, the union, all this kind of scuttlebutt about CBA. Uh, he's an agent for several NHL players, perhaps most famously Marc-Andre Fleury. He also runs a pretty robust Twitter account, at uh, Walsh A. Thanks so much for joining us on the Spit and Chicklets podcast. Alan Walsh, how are you, Alan? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We're, we're doing fantastic, especially now it looks like hockey's coming. Alan, I, I guess, was it as simple as the owners didn't like what they signed back in the summer and wanted a mulligan on this whole thing? My personal opinion is Gary Bettman made a bet that by December or January, the uh, pandemic would be past us. And we'd be able to put, at least at the beginning of the season, about 25% uh, capacity of fans into buildings. And uh, very soon thereafter, move to 50%. That was the thinking back in June and July as the deal was being consummated. Uh, And my feeling is that Gary, for the first time in a long time, made a bet that didn't pan out. Uh, We're in a situation now where the virus is out of control. Uh, In North America, uh, many cities are shut down. The likelihood of having fans in buildings through the regular season until around May 2021 is somewhat more and more remote. 
which means we're looking at a worst case scenario revenue wise for the NHL. Now, when you look at what happened and then the report comes out that there's several owners who are like, I never even signed up for this. What did you think was the story behind that? Were some of those guys maybe didn't like it and it happened anyways, or they actually didn't know what was the real numbers and what was actually going to go down as crazy as that may sound. I, I think a lot of people don't appreciate the dynamic that takes place on the league side. Gary has an executive committee of the board of governors which are eight owners. Uh, The rest of the owners are very much out of the loop as to the progress of negotiations. Very little information is shared. How do I know? Because some of them are calling me, asking me what I know. And, And I was flabbergasted to get some of those calls. So Gary's got these eight owners. I don't know to what level he shares what is going on uh, progress-wise, day-to-day, week-to-week with his, I call him the gang of eights. Well, I was going to call um, him a cult. What do you call the cult? <laughs> I call him the gang of eights. And the, <laughs> uh, and the gang of eight, uh, you know, I think is more informed than the other group, larger group of owners. But I am not surprised at all that many owners did not actually know the contents of the agreement until the very last minute before being asked to ratify it. And just quickly, would you, would you say that the, the Grinch, Jeremy Jacobs is the number one leader of the, uh, of the billionaires <laughs> and bullies get, club? We're going to get whacked. Yeah. Um, he, no but you know, he kind of, he, he's, he's, he's running those eight guys. Would you say, or is that, are you not even willing to say that on record? Uh, I'm not willing to say that on record. Okay, there we go. Biz, go ahead. Well, I mean, you've been through a lot of these lockouts. Obviously, this is a a very different circumstance. Do you think it was completely unfair that the fact that the way it was portrayed in the media as to how they wanted to renegotiate, where it was was essentially being presented as something else? My my own take on it was uh, there was a deal. The deal was negotiated and ratified by both sides. The deal specifically took into account a worst case scenario for 2021, a moderate case scenario revenue wise, and a best case scenario. And all the scenarios were considered in coming to a final agreement. I don't think the NHL was really that intent on getting any real significant change to the deal. Why? Because we're only talking about a timing of payment issue. The owners are guaranteed in this deal to be made whole to the penny. They're getting their 50-50. People don't understand. People are saying, but the players are going to get their salaries and there's going to be no revenue. Yes. For one year, we are delinking off of 50, 50, but, and it's an important, but as revenues recover, and then as we get the new U S TV deal that comes into play, the owners are going to be getting more than 50, 50 and the players will be getting less. 
until both sides are equalized at exactly 50-50. The only thing we don't know, is it going to take two years, three years, four years, until both sides are equalized? Because only at that point will we see any meaningful rise of the upper limit. I mean, and, and for everyone at home listening, those owners, when you look, this year's a little different and the players are making their money, even though there is no money coming in with the gate. I mean, those guys aren't making that deal unless they know they're, they're being made whole however many years it takes. They're not stupid, you know? I couldn't have said it better myself, Ryan. Thank you. I appreciate that. I've been, <laughs> I've been told I could be a lawyer at some point in my life. <laughs> oh, man. What did you have, R.A.? I was going to say, Alan, realistically, when's the next labor issue going to pop up? It always seems like there's just one around the corner every time we cross one bridge. Well, I don't want to jinx anything, but uh, we have now a deal encompassing uh, the next six years with an option for a seventh. So I'm hoping we have entered into a unprecedented period of labor peace where the focus can actually turn to growing the game. And if the focus goes there to growing the game, I think that, you know, we will soon within the next four or five years be up around 90 million upper limit, maybe even by the end of this CBA be touching almost a hundred million in upper limit, which is means the owners are making money. We'll have a new TV deal revenue streaming deal, uh, sports betting, uh, money coming off of uh, the tracking devices. There's a whole bunch of pockets of revenue out there that can be captured. And I'm not even talking about um, uh, things that should be and could be done in Europe. So you think that the league is maybe moving a little bit too slow in a lot of other regards in, in the overall picture of the business? You said growing the game. It's a pretty vague comment. Do you mean more like the NBA as well as far as like lifting these personalities up? If you could just, I mean, if that was a fair question to ask. Uh, absolutely. You know, you know, it might be a little bit before your time, Biz, but uh, when the New York Rangers won the Cup in 1994, there was a famous cover of Sports Illustrated calling the NHL the hot game in town. And it specifically said on the cover, the NHL is hot, the NBA is not. And at the time, the two leagues were fairly close to each other in overall league-wide revenue. What happened? All the momentum after the New York Rangers won the Stanley Cup, got shut down with Gary Bettman locking the players out to start the 94-95 season, lost half a season. It was a very acrimonious negotiation, and it took several years for the NHL to recover from that. The, the, the thing is, though, I, I, I would argue in a sense that the price of the game is, is makes it so much more difficult like basketball, just because of the amount of people that are playing. I know, I know your points and they're valid. It's just the games are so different that I don't even really try thinking about um, comparing the two. But when I look at 
or here you bring up the new TV deal, the US TV deal that'll come. Are they going to be able to, to, to use as negotiations the TV networks that the viewership was actually down throughout the pandemic and that numbers went down? I don't know why. Every sport's been that way since this all hit. But will that end up hurting the league at all? I don't think so. Uh, you're, you're, you're 100% correct. Ratings were down between 40 and 61%, uh, whether we're talking about the uh, rights holders in Canada or the U.S. with NBC. That's a huge number. And uh, many of the other sports were down as well, 10, 15%, not as much. Hockey was playing a non-traditional calendar. No one had ever had hockey you know, played in the summer months like that before. You had five games a day on all kinds of different networks. I was searching, you know, USA Network. I, where is this game? You know, I couldn't find it. Uh, you have to really work hard sometimes to find the games you wanted to, to watch. So I don't think that experience is going to hurt the value of the rights going forward, especially since I'm hearing, and it's no great secret, there's been a lot of speculation on this for the last couple of years, that there's going to be a carve-out to the rights with ESPN getting a game of the week and maybe even some games in the playoffs as well. That all needs to be worked out. But getting hockey back on ESPN is going to just put so many more eyeballs on the NHL. You know, I tr- I love the game. I believe it's a compelling game. There's no greater game to watch live. And, and it's time to take hockey to the, N- the NHL to the next level through rights, through TV, through a, a, a concerted effort to sell the players because they're the product. Um, it's easy for us to rip Batman, but to his defense, you mentioned the New York Rangers after they won the cup. I think the Forbes valuation just came out of what the team values were. They came in at, to- at the top at 1.65. Leafs were at 1.5. I believe Montreal was just south of that at 1.35. Like, what good things do you think that he's done for the game and, and you know, and, and, and other things that he's opened up to the players as far as growing revenues and this and that, that you believe that, that he should get credit for? You asked me that question? <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> listen, That's like, I'm, hey, Wit, uh, tell me the great things about Riggs. <laughs> you sandbagging son of a bitch. No, but, 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 I mean, he's had to have done some things properly in order to grow it and i mean i know play there's not one or a few things positive that you can say about him um i i i have been a fairly vocal critic of of gary bettman um for many many years i'm sure you're not shocked to hear it i i think he's done a a, a, an excellent job representing his constituency of owners. Fair. He, what people need to remember is that Gary was the godfather of the salary cap in the NBA. He was David Stern's number two man. Bruce McNall, as owner of the LA Kings, went and met with David Stern back in 1990, 1992 and begged David Stern to come to the NHL as its first commissioner. Gary's the first commissioner in the history of the NHL. Before Gary, it was just a president. But they wanted a commissioner, and they wanted someone with stature, and they wanted somebody who'd come in 
and bring a salary cap to the NHL. And David Stern said, look, I got a great gig here at the NBA, but my guy, Gary Bettman will be perfect for you. He's ready. And it was on David Stern's recommendation that Bruce McNall uh, came back to the other owners and said, I found the guy who, who, who we need to hire as the first commissioner of the NHL. And Gary had one mandate when he came on board um, in, in, the, in 92, 93. And that was uh, to, to set up a salary cap in 1994, set up a salary cap and get that implemented ASAP. And it didn't work out for him in 95. And he learned a lot from that experience. But when he got to 2004, Gary was determined to get a salary cap. And before the lockout started, I believe, he had buy-in from the owners to burn a year. Because Gary told the owners, you guys want a cap, I'll deliver a cap. The only way we're getting a cap is if we burn a year. That's what it's going to take to crush the players. And he was right. He was right. Looking back at that so, time. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, go ahead. No, I was, it was about that time. I, that's when I came into the league. And right. I remember how, how some, some guys were, we, we can't have a cap. We can't have a cap. I remember thinking that would be awesome. But I, is there any chance that they're, not going to get what they want it was once you knew the year was done it was like they'll probably do another year they don't care this is this isn't their number one source of revenue for these billionaires i just thought there was never a chance it wouldn't be when they really decided here's the thing ryan bob good now read the room correctly and he read the situation correctly before the lockout started because i remember i was there Back in around 2002, Bob went around on the fall tour, met with every team, and starting in 2002, he was saying to guys, save your money, put your money away. We are going to be locked out in 2004, and it's going to go 18 months. The the players are going to have to stay united for 18 months. The owners have decided to burn a year. And the only way we're going to withstand this attack and come out without a cap is to, when, when the first year is gone and there's no negotiations again until December of the following year. And, so the, owners and, are looking, yeah. and the owners are looking at canceling a second season. That's when we can make the deal without a cap. He was right. You believe that that you believe if they held out till then they would have gotten no cap, hundred wow. percent. I'm convinced of it. I guarantee it. Guarantee it. Every owner was in for one year. No one was in for two years. And yeah, Gary Bettman told the owners the players will not stick together for a second year, and he was right. What did you make of? Uh, would you say they were help, uh, holding the Olympics hostage to the players to, to, to see what they can get, what they wanted? Is that a fair assessment? I think the you know to me the Olympics has always been an overblown issue. How many players actually go to the Olympics? 
all the play. If you took a vote of the players, they all want to go. They all are in favor of the NHL going. But in my mind, it twelve days in Hawaii. It benefits well, exactly. exactly. <laughs> if you're not going, it's even better. <laughs> right. Fuck yeah. I'll pay to badly, go. How badly do you need that vacation? You know, are you yeah. willing to sell? You know, your 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 economic livelihood in the future down the road for those 12 days in Hawaii, the, the Olympics are as, as beneficial or even more beneficial to the league and the owners who are getting their product, their game, their best players showcased on the international stage for free. You know, it's, 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 and it's, it's go ahead. Well, I was going to say, but but looking to the other way, I always feel that they're using the NHL's product. And I know in in, uh, in basketball in the Summer Olympics, it may not work this way, but they're looking at, like, we're shutting down our business so you can use our products. And that's probably in the Winter Olympics the most watched thing. Would that be fairly accurate to say? Why shouldn't the league also be able to better, benefit off maybe some of the TV rights of that in order to, like, compensate everyone for, for for what's going on and that's kind of playing devil's advocate again with with the whole hostage situation of the olympics but you mentioned earlier to growing the league you mentioned europe was that kind of like in that whole realm of what you were talking about well, overseas the, yeah but i think the nhl's european strategy and 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 non-north american strategy has been a joke what what do they do they go over to sweden go over to finland go over to czech republic play two games and then come back and disappear. That's not a strategy. That's not a way that to, to really build a base of support. And they did the same thing in China. A couple of NHL teams went over to China, played a couple of games, and they haven't been back since. What is that? You need, you need to lay seeds at grassroots level. And, and there is no – if anyone said to people working the NHL, Please tell us what your global strategy is. You would hear crickets. Yeah. Well, we go over and play a couple of games. That's not a strategy. And until, <laughs> and to me, it is, I mean, London, Berlin, Paris, you know, there's, there's huge markets out there that would embrace NHL if they just tried to sell the game in those areas. Yeah, the NHL's never had that sort of dream team moment that, you know, basketball did back in 92 with Jordan and Bird and Magic. We, I don't know why we haven't. We certainly have, you know, commensurate superstars, but we just can't get to that level. Uh, what, yeah. I wanna, what I want to ask, Alan, it looks, looks like we're going to have a 56-game slate this year, uh, mid-January start. Are the players that you talk to generally fine with that setup so far? Sure. I mean, uh, the, every player I talk to wants to play as many games as possible. And whether it's 56 or 52, um, as, as many as possible. Um, look, it's not ideal. This is going to be a very difficult year. Uh, everyone's concerned that the players and staff and everyone involved in putting on games can remain healthy. And uh, we can start the season and not have to stop the season and make it through to the end. Um, and I, I think you want to talk about Gary Bettman and hats off to the NHL. I had personally, and I'll admit it, a lot of doubts 
about the bubble concept and whether it would work, whether we'd have a bunch of positive tests once players got into the bubbles. And they pulled it off. And really, it's a remarkable feat. Not one positive test after players got into the bubbles in the two cities. Remarkable. And uh, I trust that whatever logistics are, when both sides work together, as they did to finish the 1920 season, when both sides work together, they can figure these things out. And, and I think for all of us, the most important thing is that we start the season sometime in January or no later than February 1, but that we end the season too. Um, I was going to hop in here and just ask you, you're, you're for sure the most vocal agent on Twitter as far as hockey is concerned. You love and, and represent your players better than anyone. Um, the whole flurry situation, was that just like because you've been with them for so long, there was so much emotion attached to it to where you decided to cook up this meme on your own? I don't know if you outsourced it and you dropped this thing in the midst of playoffs. That was absolute fucking bananas. And thank you for the entertainment, by the way. What? How did that old situation break down? Okay, so you, you really been wanting to ask that question since the moment I came on. That's why I wanted you, you on. Been... <laughs> That's why I wanted you on. No, no. Listen, you're so much smarter in all this stuff than we are, and I'm learning a lot. Know what Alan thinks yeah. about that. I want that painting above my bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you know, with with all due respect, guys, and I know that uh, uh, it may seem like a cop out right now. I, I prefer not to get into any in-depth discussion on that. Let me guess. You had a bottle of Opus One in you. You were celebrating the <laughs> billion dollars in contracts you have, and you were a little ticked off that your boy Flurry, with those gorgeous teeth, who's made a lot of saves in those yellow pads, was maybe getting the short end of the stick. And, uh, hey, let's just chalk it up to that, buddy. But, hey, you got the internet popping, as you as you always do. Uh, do you – have you ever, like, walked in a room with Gary? Like, is there clear animosity there? Is is Obviously, there's a bit, a bit of hatred, or is it strictly business? It's strictly business. You know, I, I've always said, when, when I, I mean, if I were, hypothetically speaking, of course, because it would never happen, if I were working for the league, right, a lot of what I'm saying now and what Gary and people with the league are saying I would be saying what they're saying. And if Gary were an agent or working at the NHLPA, he'd be saying what Don Fear says, right? So it, it's really not ever personal. It's really just a matter of, you know, this is the side that I'm on. I've, I've wanted to be on this side since I was a kid. I've always been a player's guy for my earliest memory. You know, I never cheered for John Ziegler or Clarence Campbell. I always was a player's guy and I ended up pursuing that passion to, to represent players. But who knows? You, you know, I wasn't planning to become a prosecutor. It, it happened right out of law school. You know, I may have taken a wrong turn at Albuquerque at, at back then and and gone and worked uh, for the league or gone to work for a should have made memes. You'd so, be a gazillionaire. Yeah. Did you, Hey, did you make that the meme? My, uh, did you calling. make it? Did you make the meme? Uh, 
That's the one question. Come on, Walshy. Give me else. something for fuck's sake. Well, no, they're, they're, what, yeah. they're, they're like, is this guy that good of an artist or is he like this at outsourcing it? Hey, you mentioned quickly, though, you, you, you were a prosecutor. You went from Montreal and then you went out to L.A. You're working for the district attorney out there. At any point at that time, did you think there was a chance you'd be back in hockey or were you so in love with the game? Like you mentioned that the whole time you were only working towards that. I went to law school in LA with the idea that uh, out of law school, I would work in hockey in some capacity. And I had no idea what I never really had thought about even becoming an agent. And in my last year of law school, I started an externship at the DA's office in the state of California. It's very unique. Uh, a, a law student with two years of law school done can actually make appearances in court as long as they have a licensed attorney sitting next to them. So I was going down in my third year of law school and running a preliminary hearing court, doing preliminary hearings on my own with a experienced 30 year plus prosecutor sitting next to me reading the LA Times. And I was doing robberies and burglaries and possession of cocaine for sale and assault with deadly weapons felon with guns, attempted murder. And, and I was like, I'm in court. I'm arguing these cases before a judge. I'm still in my third year of law school. This is amazing. And I really fell in love with that work, became a prosecutor and ended up staying in the office for five years. But over the course of those five years, I worked for four of those years in a unit called the Hardcore Gang Division. And the only thing I did for four years were gang murder cases, one after the other. And I prosecuted 40. And I was, you know, 29, turning 30 years of age. I just done my 40th murder case, and I was ready to move on to something else. You only have so many trials in you. You only have the ability to go through living in trial for so long. And I was ready to move on. And I was determined to to go work in hockey in some capacity then. I actually read a, read an article that at one point you were the youngest lawyer to ever try a murder case in the state of California, which is wild. And the second thing is if 40 cases, what, what was the right? Were you 40 and all? <laughs> flurry numbers. Um, what kind of deal are you getting? Yeah. I, <laughs> or your chicklets. In, in murder cases, I was thir- I was. I was I was thirty nine and one. Wow! And that one case, I, I mean, well, I don't know what you can and can't talk about, but did any any point throughout that case you you figured, um, I I don't know if I have this one locked up. Like, was it early on? Uh, I I, I remember feeling midway through the case that it probably shouldn't have been filed. Yeah, and it had to do with the, uh, the 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 quality of the eyewitnesses. Um, all of my eyewitnesses were in state prison, and all of them had multiple felonies. So we were bringing my witnesses out of the lockup in an orange jumpsuit, chained, yeah, legs, ankles chained together. Yeah, tough look for all your witnesses who saw the shooting. And they were all actually, gang members. Is there no states, or am I making up that even if that were the case, some some states would have them in a suit, like you could dress up your, a witness? 
defendants. Oh, yeah. yeah, I see what you're saying. So, what? so you know, for a murder case, it's very rare to have a, a defendant out on uh, bail. The O.J. Simpson is one of the most famous examples, but he would be in lockup wearing blue or orange. He would come out to the courtroom and the cameras would be on. He was always wearing a suit and a tie. Um, yeah. Shifting it back to some of your career highlights. I mean, you represent so many star players. We mentioned Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, maybe mention a few of the highlights, like things that really stick out since you joined hockey, maybe cup ceremonies or, or, or moments for, for, for certain guys. Uh, just highlight a few for us. I mean, with, with Flower, the, the, I remember his uh, first game in the NHL. And uh, uh, the funny thing is, uh, Mario Lemieux was there, right, in, in the room. And, and Flower was really nervous. And the, the guys told me after the game that uh, Flurry had uh, jumped out of his chair and was running, started running down the runway towards the ice. And Mario yelled at him, you know, Flurry, Flurry. And he turns around and Flurry's like, yeah, he's like, you forgot your stick. And Flurry's like, oh, and he had to run back and go get his goalie stick. He uh, was about to go out on the ice without it. Um, there's, there's so many stories. Guys, you know, Martin Havlat, he and I, you know, it was a, a lifetime of brotherhood together. Ups and downs, great moments. Patrick Eliash, uh, Pascal Dupuis. Um, okay, you know, just one of the greats, you know, super duper. Yeah, with with Dupuis, I had the chance of playing with him. I was on that team that brought over Hosa and Pascal Dupuis, and he. It, tell me if I'm wrong. I mean, he was kind of thought of as a throw-in on that deal. You know, Hosa was the big name in, at the deadline, and what a career he ended up having. I mean, he, he just to be a Stanley Cup champion and do what he did in Pittsburgh. Was he fired up when that trade happened and, and ready for a new spot, or did he like being in Atlanta? Not that many people did. So, uh, you know, Pascal Dupuis, one of, one of the super-duper, one of the great, great play, you know, teammates. One of the, you know, I was with Pascal from the time he was 18 years old, uh, you know, meeting his wife, having kids. You, you, you spend, you, you know, your whole, a big part of your life with them off the ice. You live it with them. And, uh, and just to me, the most rewarding thing, Mike Rupp, you know, Mike Rupp, I represented for a number of years and still uh, uh, very close with him. Um, you, you, you really become part of a family, you really do. And uh, to me, the most gratifying thing is after a player has retired, to maintain that relationship beyond being agent and player and how the strength of that bond carries on into the next phase of, of the player's life where, you, you know, on any given day, I have as many conversations with retired players who were clients of mine for 18, 20, 20, 25 years as I do players currently in the league right now. Alan, I, got, I got one last one for you. Why, why did you choose LA for law school? Were you a big LA law fan at the time? Uh, it's, it's a great question. I was uh, going to McGill university in Montreal. I was born and raised in Montreal, uh, but 
my mother was an American citizen. So when I was really young, me and my younger brothers all got U.S. passports as well. So the U.S. was open to all of us. Uh And um, I was actually uh, heading to a law school on the East Coast. And it was a February day in Montreal. It was snowing like crazy. And I'm driving my uh, Camaro with no snow tires up McTavish, going straight up in this storm. I made it halfway up the street next to McGill. And the car made it halfway up and hit black ice and started sliding backwards. I was able to get it just over by the sidewalk, dump the car, uh, trudged through the snow to class, ended up taking the metro and a bus home. And the next day, my dad drove me back to my car with a shovel. And the only thing you could see was the antenna from the car. It was completely buried Check, in please. snow. <laughs> yeah. And, and at that time, I got a calendar from a law school in L.A. and it had this really good-looking blonde in a bikini on the beach reading a law book. And I looked at that picture <laughs> I looked outside, I laughed, and I said, that's where I want to go. <laughs> um, I was going to finish up with just from your answer before, it's obvious why you, you go online and you stick up for your players because you, you, know, you truly love these, these guys. Last question I have for you before we leave, though. You fucking put my mind into a torpedo when you talked about <laughs> the state tax issue and saying that players who play in Canada with filing taxes properly would pay – the same amount of taxes as someone playing in a state with no state tax. Alan Walsh, how the fuck is that possible? Well, there's something in Canada called a retirement compensation agreement where a player can defer up to 50% of what he is earning in a given year. That money is going into a 50% into a refundable tax account with CCRA and 50% into a self-directed account, player can touch the money, okay? Now, every year, 50%, they pay normal tax, 50%, no tax at all. It goes into these accounts and they're invested and they grow over time, all tax-free. Whenever the player wants to collapse these accounts, they have to break all ties with Canada. Okay? So they break all their ties with Canada. It could be in the U.S. It could be anywhere else. So a lot of Europeans have RCAs. A lot of American players playing in Canada have RCAs. And any Canadian player can have an RCA as long as they're willing to break all their ties with Canada for 18 to 24 months. That's all you got to do. Seems and like then, a wow, I big risk, though. Just, separate from wait, Canada, man. Canada's so, got Canada's the shit. I mean, I have a, the world I have juniors. A, I, have a, I have a very well-known player from Czech Republic who played years with the Ottawa Senators and the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he had an RCA with you know many millions of dollars in there, And when he was done, when he was done in the NHL, he actually moved with his family uh, to uh, Barbados for two years 
And for two years, he's sending me pictures on the beach, you know, with a Corona. Uh, and I'm like, oh, my God. And, and during that two-year period, he had broken all his ties to Canada. He collapsed the RCA. When you collapse the RCA, you, play, you pay a flat 25% tax and you get all your money. It happens fast. It happens quick. And after you get your money, you can move back to Canada. All right. There all right. it is, well, folks. That's, that's a great way to end this thing because that's breaking news to a couple people. That may help some Canadian teams sign some free agents. Who knows? <laughs> Yes, you know, so. a guy got American who's like, I'll, I'll cut all my ties with yeah. Canada. Edmonton might, might get a top four defenseman now. <laughs> all right, Alan, thank you so much. It's, uh, it's much appreciated you coming on. It was a lot of fun catching up with you, having you on, and getting your insights into the league. So we appreciate it. It's a privilege, guys. Thank all you right, so much, Alan. One. Huge thanks so much to Alan for joining us and translating to the layman uh, a lot of the terminology that sometimes even the guys like us, you guys were in the league, I cover the league, and it, it gets boring. It gets tedious talking about memorandums and escrow and all that kind of shit. So Alan basically, you know, gave his perspective on it, and that's always appreciated. We'll have to have him back. He's a colorful fellow, eh, Biz? Oh, you put me on the spot there. I wasn't ready. Yes, oh, he was awesome. Well, you got to be ready on this show. I was trying to – You put to him, him on to, the spot too. That was kind of karma. To get, I was trying to get him to pump Gary's tires, and he just wouldn't really do it. And, and mean, you were trying to get him to fess up to fucking killing Flurry and fucking – No, I couldn't believe too. he didn't talk about Flurry. I thought the he was going to take God. us back You're to like the a night. National Enquirer journalist. Yeah. Guys, we're not going to grill you on this podcast. We will ask the difficult questions, yeah. but we will not grill you. There we go. All right, we got a few uh, NHL notes. Not a, a ton went on since last step, but uh, Fly assigned restricted free agent defenseman Phil Myers to a three-year, $7.65 million deal. Comes out to 2.55 mil salary cap hit. He's going to be 24 in January. He appears to be a key part of the Philadelphia future on the back line. Four goals, 12 assists, and 50 games last season. What, as a former defenseman, what you take on this fella? I like him. Young gun. I shouldn't say gun, but still solid, right? I mean, the guy moves around like Silk Philly. By the way, shout out them for being the uh, team you make you could make you could have made the most money on last year betting uh, on them against the spread. Is that correct, Ari? Did you see that? Well, Myers had something to do with that. So, I when you lock up guys at a young age to deals that right away kind of seem like a team friendly deal, like Sergachev's, right? Like it was higher than this. But you're just like, oh, he could get more. This kid, if he was a UFA, the way he's looked so far, I think he'd he'd be getting a ton of interest. But right now, Philly's able to lock a guy up at not a ridiculous amount to just keep kind of adding to like young depth on the blue line there. And Provorov is something else. So you got a leader that's real young too. Okay, this uh, this might be a crazy question coming from a guy who's supposed to know his stuff. Goss despair. What happened? Did he get injured last year? I don't know. He's just had a couple years where. After he blew up offensively when he came into the league, like defensively, he struggled. I think they say he turns it over at times where he's, you know, he was getting healthy scratched at one point. I saw that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's the curtain, maybe like, maybe yeah. a little bit like myself came in with a little offensive bang. Next thing you know, like, this guy's got way more skill and he's way faster than I ever was. So I still think he's got that heavy shot. He's got amazing ability to hop into the play. But in terms of like what you read in term when coaches are complaining, it's defensive stuff. But I would say just Philly, probably one of the more interesting teams moving forward. I would say fairly short window. Like, I mean, Giroux, yeah. you know, he's 
getting to that age. Voracek, a little older. I don't want to say that. I would. The thing is, though, they have they have young guys too, and the goalie's so young. So the backbone that you need to to get it done. Right. This guy that like has looked. It, it, all things considered, as, as much as we've seen Hart, he's looked like a guy who could win a win a Stanley Cup, right? So you you have him at, at as young as you ever see goalies dominate. So like you don't want to say the window's closing, but those those top level guys who didn't really perform in in last year's playoffs and Giroux and stuff and his playoff struggles, those guys are a year year older. And I'd say Carter Hart has extended that window right now. I mean, he's been so good so soon. He was outstanding in the playoffs last year. So those guys, their you know their window is going to extend because of that kid. As far as Gostas Bear, he could be just a sample another player like a change of scenery might just be what he needs. Like for whatever reason, things haven't worked out the last couple of years for him, whether it's usage, confidence, whatever he could end up somewhere and being just fine in another team. hundred percent. But I believe that it's going to be difficult given the circumstances to move that contract. Cause he did sign. I want to say at least a four year deal at a decent average annual salary. Yeah, I'm see. so excited to just yeah. check right now. Like he's you got, guessing his contract. I think I think he's three, making five million a year. He's, he's got three years left at four and a half million a year. There you okay, go. Whit. Okay. That's, all, that's like yeah. that's a what do you yeah, do with it? Mathematically close. Yeah. Like, same ballpark. I know my I know my stuff kinda. If you if go. you if you're a college hockey fan, you might remember uh Shane Gossespair playing for Union. I believe it's Union College. And Biz maybe one of the sickest performances in like a final four. Ever this guy was the a ghost. He was a machine in college. What a nickname too. I know. Yeah. Ghost. When he got perfect emojis. And he's pale too, too I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Florida, they're going to have what's going to be referred to as a goaltending excellence department. Love this. That's, I love the you know, shooting for the moon there with that name. It's going to uh, be Roberto Luongo, who, yes, we hear you. Please, we'd love to have him on the show as well. Uh, Francois Allaire, uh, Rob Tallis, former NHL netminder, and Leo Luongo, Roberto's brother. Uh, they're going to be basically the goaltending excellence department. What do you think of that name, Biz? I just, I'm just glad Roberto Luongo is not coming out with a podcast. Seriously, a huh? fucking guy, man. This guy can do anything he wants, and I like the move. I mean, I talk about Sean Burke all the time because that was like my one main experience playing five years in Phoenix and or Phoenix and the Arizona Coyotes. Um, what he was able to do just with the mental side with Brzgalov and Mike Smith and Dubnik, uh, you know, uh, and I mean, even more recently with Corey Schwab here with, uh, with the way with Kemper, how it worked out. Well, they got Bobrovsky, a guy they're paying a lot of money who I think probably needs a little bit of help right now and in, in finding his game again. And what a perfect guy to bring in, not only to help, Bobrovsky, but also they do have a young guy in the pipeline who they drafted in the first round. Yeah, Spencer Knight. Spencer Knight. So great move. Obviously, Roberto Longo has made enough in his career to where he probably wants to stay in Florida and and work closely with an organization that's given him, you know, a lot of what he's achieved, uh, and and vice versa. But uh, this is this couldn't have worked out better for an organization that needs a little bit of help in that department right now. And uh, just an even more unique individual to take that role. Yeah. Now, playing the other side of it, it is like four guys, right, who all know what they're talking about. I mean, at some point, it's like, are they all going to agree on everything? So it is It, it is like not often do you see like a four-man team for, for two guys. Now, I guess you could argue that you're talking about the AHL goalies and the prospects as well. So it's an entire organization thing. But you have to think that there's going to be one main guy 
working with Bobrovsky, right? I mean, one or two, but get all four. All of a sudden, it's like one goalies with all these coaches. Like, what the fuck's going on? They should just sign you and have you go skate and just the confidence. You wouldn't score one time. They'd be like, bring Biz in. <laughs> yeah, you know, he'll make 9,000 saves in a row. Yeah, so it wasn't Sean Burke. It was all those, uh, yeah, all those times in practice just feeding him right in the gut. Come in and dust <laughs> off my Milex. Been a while. The High Noon El Prez Pack is here, featuring my top four High Noon Vodka Celta flavors. These flavors include passion fruit, pineapple, pear, and all new flavor, tangerine, all made with real vodka, real juice. This 12-pack is only here for a limited time, so get it while you can. Just look for the pack with my face on it. You can even scan the QR code in the pack and have me virtually join your party. Visit HighNoonSpirits.com to find the El Prez Pack nearest you. A couple other notes before we send it over to Glenn Metropolitan. Uh, Matt Zuccarello won't be ready for training camp. Uh, he had surgery in November. There's no time frame on him yet. But, I don't know, you, you guy like that, Whit, you're going to want him right away because you, you stop behind the eight ball in a season that's only 56 yep. game long, it could be over before it starts. I didn't know if I said this when we recorded last week or if, I, if it was in just our conversation, but you can't go one and eight. You know, what I mean, all of a sudden, if you start two, two, eight, and two, it's like, man, you, you're running out of time quick to make the playoffs. So that's what I was talking about in terms of being a sprint. And Zuccarello, he's just proven how long he's able to stay and play well in this league. And he's not the fastest player in the world. He's really quick, and he's got such a high hockey IQ where he's able to think the game so well. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't think of him as like a game breaker speed wise ever, really. I don't know about you, Biz, if you disagree with me on that. No, I just... Like, yeah, you didn't I just see him coming good, down, like, burning people wide. He no, just it. a very smart player. Kind of like a... I mean, Messi might be a tough comparison, but just kind of oh, like... the yeah, best soccer like, player ever? Yeah, just kind of like shifty. Like, like, just a player. And we cannot mention Matt Zuccarello without obviously always bringing up the greatest imitation of all time, Patrick Thorson imitating Matt Zuccarello. Get it on YouTube right now. Because his stick's 43 feet long, yeah. and, and his hair's coming out the back, and he's hopping around the way Zuccarello did, as Biz described. Oh, you're there. No, you know what? He's, he's Maradona, and I know that uh, he just he just R.I.P. Right? Yeah. R.I.P., but he's... Da, he went hard. Da, 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 da. Hey, so hey you, life is life. life. Da, 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 just fucking ripping rails, bouncing balls, shoulder, the whole head, the whole. Great documentary on HBO, by the way, if you haven't seen it about Maradona. Which one? What's about it Diego Maradona. Oh it's, yeah, it's it just Maradona, I, I believe. Year. Okay, yeah, it come out a year I, ago. Yeah, it's good shit if biz, you haven't seen biz. it. Yet. Like, I saw, I saw it. I just didn't remember the name of it. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know the, the part where the part when he shows up to is it Napoli or wherever he went, Italy, and like the whole stadium's full just for him to walk in there when he got to yeah. the city. It wasn't even for Crazy. practice, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, no. absolutely. Hey, uh, hey, there's a a clip online. Good God, uh, is it is Good it is it, is it is it Liam Gallagher, the lead singer of Oasis? Yeah, no yeah. only him of the two of them. Well, he tells a story in, in the clips on uh, on Twitter. It's buzzing around. I ended up retweeting it, but you can't you could barely understand 25% of what this guy says cuz he's from Manchester. Is that where he's from in England? And they just had this like very rough English accent, but you got to hear the way he des- describes the the one time he met Maradona. How, how do you say it? Maradona? Maradona. Yeah, Diego Maradona. Maradona. Yeah, yeah. He uh, describes the first time he met him, and it's like it's it's world class. Like he went up just to get a picture, and he said, "If you if you take any of the girls with you, 
he's going to basically kill you. <laughs> so, <laughs> Probably would have, too. Yes. Yeah. He, he had that kind of How many people watch the Super Bowl? Like uh, 200 million or something? No, it's that a, seems like a uh, lot. I would say world. I mean, worldwide or in North America? Worldwide. Um, what would be your guess? I would say my guess was 200 million. I would say worldwide, probably 500 million worldwide. Okay. Well, well, I'm pretty sure worldwide, like over a billion people watch the world cup final. So like there's people in in the United States and Canada who like dog soccer, aren't fans, whatever, no big deal, but it is the sickest game in the world. When you actually watch these high level teams, the world cup, like the Euro, I, I, I'm so into it. And the, um, the guy who just got to Barstool is electric. Grinelli, is it troops? Troops. He does those oh, live watches. Bizarre. They're awesome. I think he's an Arsenal, Arsenal team. Arsenal? I think it's Arsenal. Arsenal. And he was like, they. He's like talking about some guys. Like this fucking guy's got more more goals than than our whole team does. Now, granted, with his English accent, you can't imagine how much better it is than the line I just tried to say, repeating him. So check that guy out. But soccer is where it's at. Because th- those guys are the biggest superstars. They are rock stars, actors, and, and athletes all rolled into one. All right, if we had to pick a team podcast in the soccer world, who would we have to pick? I would probably have no say in it. I'd kind of hear what everyone had to say and, and agree to something. I'd want a Premier League team. All right. 100%. Nah, I, I don't follow it enough nearly to, to know who would be a good team. But I, I definitely – soccer is one of those sports I didn't grow up with. It wasn't big with, in the city back in the day. And I didn't actually see a game until I was writing for the school newspaper at college and had to cover a college women's game. And I sat down with a couple of players. I'm like, you know, explain to me. And they're basically like, it's just like hockey. It's like you bet he's trying to score on a goal and you don't want to be off sides. Like conceptually, it, it's very there, similar to there hockey. There are huge similarities. I've always said that. All yeah. right. I couldn't Ch- agree Check more out Wolfhampton. Wolfhampton has the I, I, funniest I like chance. Chelsea. You guys I like will love Chelsea. them. Wolfhampton? I like, the, I like the dirt bag teams from like these greasy towns where if like you strolled well, in with that the that sounds like a Jersey, Wolfhampton. they'd stab you. Hundred percent Wolfhampton, baby. Get on the wall the one, I'd, be the, I'd be the one getting stabbed if we went as fans. And I, <laughs> oh, I need yeah. a team. I need a team with the luxury boxes that you sit in, <laughs> with the flat screens and the buffets. Have you guys watched well, Ted Lasso? Yeah, I want to be. I want to be fucking drinking, drinking uh, whatever English beer out of a guy's man tits in the fucking front row of the degenerate section. That's where I want to be in the in the, in the soccer world. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck me. Uh, well, back on uh, the world of hockey, apparently Vegas is shopping some players, which isn't too big of a surprise. They are uh, at their salary cap. They need to probably move some guys just to get um, cap compliant for the year. But we are hearing Max Pacioretty, uh, Alec Martinez, Marc-Andre Fleury, Jonathan Marcher. So those are names being put out there. We're not putting them out there. Other parties have. We're just passing them along. Biz, what do you got, buddy? Well, Whit, you were very critical when they started making some moves of basically how they've, they've established themselves as a very cutthroat organization where it's like we're making the right play to move or, or, or to win, excuse me. And now all of a sudden, like, two fairly significant pieces are like, oh, these guys are on the blocks. Like, who wants them? Yeah, it's just a, it's it's a way different time and team than that first year where it was all these unwanted guys that banded together, you know, got together for that amazing cup run. Now it's just you're in, you're out. They've signed some great players, they've made some great trades, but this is what happens. So there's really no uh, stability there, right? I mean, you you can talk about uh, teams making moves that win cups, but there's been the stability core of Crosby, Malkin, Latang, you know, Flurry in, in Pittsburgh and Chicago, you know, Keith, T- 
Dave's in Canada, LA. and and whereas Vegas is just they haven't won a cup, so it's way different. But they've just been shipping them out and bringing them in. Um, going back to the names, if you're a Boston Bruins fan and you find out Max Pacioretty is is available, you're immediately trying to think of what can we offer, what kind of package can we put together, can we fit his salary in, yeah. dude, a winger. Or you know they can score that many goals and play that. I, and he's a Bruins type player. I would there'd be an unreal move for them to try to get him. Oh my God, RA! The fact that you tied that back to the Bruins, Jesus. Well, it's a team that you talk about another winger, right? For Krejci, right? Well, and they, and and listen, they stayed pretty patient during the free agency period. They they, they didn't I, stay patient. They lost their best defenseman. Well, right, but they. St- stayed patient to where they thought maybe maybe an opportunity like this was the reason that they couldn't get over the hump for fuck's sakes wit are you arguing with me hey no. i'm eating a chip yeah okay. i mean that's already he's got uh what three years left at seven million per the bruins there uh they only got a little less than three million in cap space they'd have to move some money Tuka around Rask. give give them the knights they can deal with flurry Tuka Rask, and, and uh, robin <laughs> leonard there you go alan walsh coming on we should ask him about that potential <laughs> oh, you're a fucking beauty. Uh, let's see. What do we've got here? Oh, this is from our friend Jeff Merrick on the East Coast Hockey League. Uh, he said, expect the league to announce that the Cincinnati Cyclones, Idaho Steelheads, and Kalamazoo Wings will not play this season. Obviously, ramifications of all that COVID shit. So uh, it's tough to see because there's obviously a ripple effect. Guys aren't working jobs, and they have to take other jobs, which means other people can't work. So Obviously, sucks to see. We know a vaccine is coming. Hopefully, uh, it'll get here sooner and these guys can get back to work. Everybody can get back to work. Uh, either way, our next guest, he did make his bones in the East Coast Hockey League on his way to the NHL. Glenn Metropolitan, an unreal story. We're going to get to that one sec. We want to tell you first. Are you looking for relief, relaxation, or to party on the motherfucking moon? Then check out Three Cheese' new True Strains lineup of cannabis, vapes, and gummies tailored for specific effects. And the best part? It's delivered straight to your door. Visit 3chi.com. That's 3chi.com. And for a limited time, get 20% off with the code BARSTOOL20. And now we're going to send it over to Glenn Metropolitan. Well, it's a pleasure to welcome our next guest to the show. This forward overcame incredible odds to play pro hockey for 22 years. Despite never playing juniors or college or ever being drafted, he'd go on to play over 400 NHL games for seven franchises. After his NHL career, he went over to Europe and played well into his 40s, and he was recently inducted into the East Coast Hockey League Hall of Fame. Thanks so much for joining us, Glenn Metropolit. How's it going, pal? Doing well, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. Good. Well, uh, you say you're in Tampa. How long have you been down there for? Um, actually, I moved here last August uh, with my son here to play, uh, get back into hockey, and um, had some momentum going until this uh, beautiful pandemic kind of hit us, but besides that, doing okay. Doing some cool. It is beautiful. He's doing some coaching down there, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I've hooked on with the Tampa Bay Lightning, doing some learn-to-play programs and coaching a few teams, doing some player development. Uh, it's been great being back. You're going to be getting a ring. Uh, no, I won't be getting a ring. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a plastic one. It's just like the one you can get at any store. I got to see, I got to see the cup coming up the river. Right. Yeah. yeah, you get, you you get the Maroon same ones pissing. as the ushers. Did, did you see Maroon piss himself? <laughs> Actually, I saw him at the at the at Jay Marine Stadium, but uh, yeah, those guys were they were in one. That's for sure. 
Well, um, it's, it's, it's great to finally have you on here. I, I got a chance to meet you quick a few years back in Boston. Uh, you're good friends with our boy, Brandon Yip, who's been on the show. People love him. But uh, when did you guys first play together? Because he told me, so you got to get Metro on at some point. He's got stories for days. The guy played forever. <laughs> My boy, Yipper, he came over uh, when we were in Mannheim together. Jeff Ward was our coach. We had to win a championship there. He came. I forget his whole uh, why he got over. If he got released or whatever, but her sign, late signing came over, and we uh, we had a great time. Came over with uh, with Liz at the time. We we won the cup together and just uh, had a blast, man. Just great guy, salt of the earth, you know. He said Mannheim was actually crazy when you guys took it down. Like the the whole town, the city was just going nuts. Yeah, it's like a, they call it hockey town in Germany. So really uh, great ownership. I mean, the crowds are amazing. Um, you know, the whole one end of the building are just chanting the whole time, right? So it was, uh, it was enjoyable to be a part of that run, that's for sure. Spent two years there. It was to say, we just mentioned Tampa. That's, that was one of your many, many hockey, hockey stops, Metro. Let's start at the beginning. I mean, like I said, you were never played junior, never drafted, never college. Where were you discovered? Was it that, that role of hockey league? Is that really where it all took off for you? Well, I, I had to play roller hockey, earn some money in the summer. But anyway, it's, we'll go way back, uh, you know, growing up inner city Toronto. You know, playing in the house leagues there that were free. Uh, ran by the city down in Moss Park, Regent Park area. Um, from there, just kind of played uh, wherever I could. You know, I wasn't, you know, raised by a single mom. Didn't really have the funds to play in those high-level leagues. And uh, quite frankly, I don't think I was coach. I was too raw anyway to play in those leagues. Um, then basically high school hockey, a, g- a good friend of mine had a tryout. He was kind of like the, the top player getting recruited for the junior B team in Richmond Hill. And he was like, oh, why don't you give it a try, you know? And I'm like, oh, well, how am I going to get there? And he, he, luckily he drove. So uh, off I went. I was the last cut on a junior B team. And then the uh, rest is history, you know, two years there. And then, you know, turning 19, all, all my buddies now are, nah, I'm done with hockey, partying. And I was like, man, I got to get out of Toronto. So went out to British Columbia, Vernon, chased the scholarship. Uh, got recruited by a lot of schools. Signed a letter of intent with uh, Bowling Green. Uh, that fell through in the summer, and then basically, here I go, East Coast Hockey League tryouts and, you know, roller hockey in the summer to make some cash and kept kept building, kept growing. So at that point, it was just too late to go go play junior hockey, or you were just old enough where it was time to play pro? Yeah, at that time, yeah, I was 20. I finished my last yep. in Vernon where I uh, signed a letter of intent with uh, Buddy Powers, who was a the coach there at the Falcons. And then summertime came around in the years, you know, around Toronto, right? Not working hard in school. It's not like oh, I want an A in school, you know, it was more or less just get me a credit, you know, pass. Yeah. <laughs> and so I had to be a red shirt for a year. And then uh, finally I said, oh, you know, I, I want to play pro hockey. I don't want to sit around for a year and just train. And then, um, you know. Well, even, even getting to there is a long shot for anyone, but for you, you, it's crazy because I, I mean, from talking to people, I Regent parks, like tough area to live. And, and you did a lot of your, your skating at the beginning in an outdoor rink. Is that true? Like summer, you're playing roller hockey, winter, you're playing, you're playing outdoors, right? Right. Somewhere close to where you could even, your mom could see you. Is that true from, from the kitchen window? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It was, uh, one of those deals where, yeah, it, with all the noise outside of my, you know, the life there a little bit, right. It was like, let me just disconnect. And I fell in love with the game and it wasn't hockey schools in the summer. You know what I mean? I've never went to hockey school ever. Power skating. It was more just uh, go and have fun, you know, and um, you always got these little games on that outdoor rink. So I just kind of, you know, you got your own game going, you're trying to deke around the, you know, the other people. And uh, it's just one of those deals, how just kind of work on it. And- Do you think having a late start to where maybe the, 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 the pressure was never really there. It helped you, you know, 
essentially like like you know strive for it later on in life you said 19 years old you go off to junior for the first time that's really the first time you've had any type of pressure playing right yeah as i reflect too now uh is it's more, more or less i just i played at the lower levels but um it wasn't like i was on a first line playing triple a hockey where you're not really you know you're not playing much and i could use those moves and then once i got to a higher level i can adjust to the speed and i think ultimately that kind of kind of helped me a little bit as a, in the summertime, I just wanted to keep working out, running Hills at Riverdale, whatever I could do to become a better hockey player, to get out of the, you know, the, the life I was living. I always wanted to be a hockey player. So it was like, my old mentality was like, I'm going to get discovered somehow. I know I'm as good as those guys. It's just keep grinding at it. You know what I mean? That's kind of all I had. So in, in a case for, for off ice, like in the summertime, like who would you be training with? Would you just be following buddies and, and, and going wherever? Well, yeah, um, I remember one time watching, seeing Dougie Gilmore at uh, the Christie Pits. I was playing baseball, and Dougie G was running up. I'm like, oh, this guy's running up the hills, man. It's Dougie Gilmore, you know? The John Maple Leaf, the great Maple Leaf. And then I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to do that. So I just kind of – I saw him, and then, you know, you, I got some – my mentors were the guys that worked at, uh, you know, Boys and Girls Clubs, you know, the Parks and Recreation Centers, you know? Those were the guys that kind of kept us all straight and narrow and kind of just taught me, you know, work out on your legs, do core. You know what I mean? Like those were the guys that I didn't, I didn't have trainers or nothing. It was just push until you can't push no more on your own. And so, then, you know, the, the thing is too, you're just, you're playing other sports too. Like you mentioned, you're playing baseball. I mean, I think we've talked a long time to plenty of players, but it's great to do other things and not, not just skate all year. But with your with your situation, I mean, we talk about how expensive hockey is and how so many kids can't even get into the game. I mean, if you hadn't lived right next door to that rink, maybe you don't. But when was the first time you you actually got a pair of skates that weren't like a hand-me-down or used? Like when you got your own new pair of, of, of wheels, it had to be later than most kids playing hockey. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking in my teens, maybe junior. It's unbelievable. You know, I got some great people that helped along the way and, you know, just – with the hand-me-downs, you know, having one stick can't take slap shots. You know, you got one stick. So it was, it was uh, just, just play. And I was thankful for any skates, you know, even if I had steel on that, you yeah. know, the old kangaroos, CCMs. It was, it didn't matter, right? It was, uh, you know, we all have the love for the game. It was just let, get me out there and let's play, you know, no palms in the gloves, whatever. <laughs> Marshawn still does that, little rat. <laughs> Marshawn, yeah. So, yeah Metro. Growing up where you did, I, I feel it's kind of similar. Like, you know, you played in Boston, you're familiar with Charlestown neighborhood. I feel like there was a lot of, a lot of similarities there, a, a little rough around the edges, tough spot to grow up, a lot of temptations. How were you able to just focus on, on hockey and, and keep that in the straight and narrow when there's so many other ways you can be derailed in a spot like that? I think really, I, I kind of learned from seeing that, you know, I knew I didn't want to be a part of that. You know what I mean? I didn't want to get that quick money and all that stuff. All my, my buddies were doing. I just, I had my sets on, you know, being a professional hockey player, wherever that could be, you know, um, that was my goal. And at the time it was just, you know, work hard and get out of that. I knew I didn't want to be like that. So, um, there's too much, too much negative stuff that you, you learn seeing and you're like, nah, it's not me, man. So, you know, you go out and you think you might have this deal bowling green, you're going to go to university, everything's good. Boom. It falls apart. And you said, you got to go to the coast. Well, I mean, you hopped in, you, you dominated. I mean, you had up over a point per game your first year pro. How did it even come about playing in Nashville and then and then Atlanta and a little bit the IHL that year? Like, how did that whole season contract come come to be? Well, I, I, um, after, I, after the scholarship fell through or I decided I'm turning pro, I called uh, my old assistant coach, Troy Mick, with the Vernon Lakers at the time. 
And um, he's like, yeah, I'll get you a trial with, they were at the, the Atlanta, the Atlanta Knights at the time. And um, I'm like, all right, let's go. So I went there. I was one of the first cuts, you know, I was playing against, you know, some old, old school guys, you know, and I'm, I got cut, got sent down to Nashville, uh, East Coast Hockey League, and then um, signed, signed a minimum in the East Coast, you know, they give you an apartment and then make it 400 bucks a week. Um, and from there, it was just, I remember being the first five or six games were on a road, big road trip going down to Tallahassee playing against the Tiger Sharks. And I'm, <laughs> we're bringing this whole crew of team, right? We only got bunk beds on this country music. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm up the, up at the front sleeping with a bus driver named Snake with a cutoff jacket. <laughs> and I'm sleeping on the on the stairs there, and it's just like, all right, well, this is pro, I guess, man. I can't wait to get in the lineup. So, I think the coast makes you appreciate it more when you end up getting to the NHL. Some of the stories and some of the hotels you're sleeping at, and, and even some of the travel arrangements. Like, do you have any other wacky stories that you remember from your coast days? Shit, man, there's, there's so many. I mean, that. The great thing was the 16 bucks per diem, you know, that was, that was solid, you know, even at truck stops. But, uh, um, you know, the, the one story that creeps to mind is that we're, we're all at the back of the bus. It's, uh, we're, le- we're leaving Wheeling. We got a long trip back down to Nashville and it's, uh, New Year's Eve and we're kind of, we, we finished our game and we're all the back, you know, doing, playing our cards. Guys are drinking, uh, Harry York. I don't know if you guys remember Harry York at all. St. Louis blue. He was a teammate at the time and, uh, he went crazy. And next thing you know, he's going nuts. He pushes the, the the vent right out of the bus. It goes flying off a car. The car's chasing us. We pulled over. We're all sitting here. Guys are smoking in the back of the oh, this is a gong show back then. <laughs> yes, this the is tough, pro hockey. The, the, the type of stuff you're really not seeing nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember Unbelievable. East Coast Hockey League, you know, the guys literally Vaselineing up before the game's cutting the jersey. So they get in a fight, you know, they're pulling it. There's the empty arm, you know, the, the free arm. So, yeah. Uh, Quite a journey, boys, yeah. Oh, Absolutely. I mentioned the uh, Hall of Fame. By the way, congratulations on that, getting into the East Coast Hall of Fame. That's quite an honor for you. Uh, but were you surprised that it had been 23 years since you played? Were you kind of surprised to get a call all those years later that you had made it? Yeah, it was just uh, one of those surprise calls. I got an email, I believe, and um, a follow-up call. I and mean, it was, uh, you know, Wichita went there. I didn't really know. What, my vision of the East Coast back in the day was like, you know, where's this going to be at the, you know, the – the holiday in in the parking lot or what, you know, but <laughs> he, he did it first class and, you know, uh, Kevin Lowe is the, he did the keynote, you know, you get up there. He, it was awesome. Bedner was there. Uh, Jared Jer- Bedner played with him. Uh, a few other guys just, uh, you know, just named a few, but it, it was such a great experience and get, have my family there with me. It was a, with a bonus, you know, my mom and my kids. So yeah, it was, it was awesome. Great experience. Kind of froze up up there actually. No, really? I'm there and like whoa looking at all these people you want to thank everyone and kind of was just do you go out do you go up there with something written or were you going up there just straight from the heart i had something written but basically i turned it in straight to the heart and i said okay thanks for having me <laughs> <laughs> they're like uh we get we had seven minutes for you you got to keep going <laughs> so we down had the q a and stuff it was great you know so, what was your heart rate at when you when you went up there in front of the mic dude Probably buck seventy five. I don't know how the fuck these guys do it. They just go there and start ripping it off, man. I'd be shitting my, my pants. I had to do a wedding last summer and I completely butchered the beginning of it. I felt bad. I wanted to leave right afterward. Or do a redo, right? Can I try yeah. this? <laughs> yeah, oh, men yeah. in black. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so Metro, you're breaking with the ninety nine two thousand caps. Now, is it true your first NHL game, your first line mates are Adam Oates and Peter Bronder? Is that true? Is that accurate? 
Yeah, boys. Yeah, unreal. Oh, oh, Jesus. Right in the fire. Hey, talk about locking up. (laughs) Play roller hockey in the summer to, you know, kind of make it. Geez, it was uh, was one of those – I lined right up against Powell Burry. You know, I'm just like, geez, what what am I doing here? You kind of deal. And that was one of those games I I got sent down right after that game. And I was like, you know, like, shit, you know, this is this is it. You know, I, I've lost my opportunity. Had the poor, poor, poor me attitude heading down. And Glenn Hanley got me back on track and got another opportunity in November that year. Well, I mean, like, so like going back to your first game, you probably remember everything. Did you, were you so nervous that you feel like you weren't able to play your game given you were thrown on a line with those guys? Yeah, it was one of those deals where made the team. We, we fly down there and I'm, I'm on, you know, we're practicing together with, uh, Bonjour and Oates, and I'm just telling myself the whole time, right? Just play your game, take it easy. But it was like one of those, I couldn't fight it. I couldn't tell myself that. I'm sitting in a dressing room going, man, I'm really here. You know, I've really done it. And and then played 18 minutes. We lost like 2-1 or something. I was a dash two. You know, <laughs> and it was one of those deals, you know, where it's like, shit, man, I really dropped the ball in this. But, I mean, I try to, like, just try to forget about the, all those other things that got me there and just concentrate on my game. It was just, it was a learning moment, that's for sure. Well, for people who have listened to uh, Adam Oates on this podcast and in general talk, if you'd gone offsides, that probably what got you sent down. He thinks you're an absolute muppet if you go offsides in the game of hockey. That could have been that could have been something that slowed you down that that quick first day. Well, that, yeah, that might have been part of it too. But, um, yeah, those those four, I mean, four years though, you're you're pretty, you're up and down. You're with Washington, like Tampa, quick back with Washington. But every time you're in the AHL, I mean, you're over a point per game. You're one of the top scorers in that league. Is that one of those instances where it's like, I, I've done everything I can at this level, but I keep getting called up to the NHL and I can't stick. Like, what's going on? Why is this happening? Are you thinking about that as, as you're being sent back and forth? I think uh, when, I, when I think back about that, I think it was just more or less being part of a team. I loved the guys in Portland at the time. And up there, was more, it seemed like it was more of a job. You know, NHL, even though you want to be there, but it was I'd get called up and I'd play the power play a little bit. I was good on the on a, the goal line, and then all of a sudden it was like I'm I'm on a fourth line, right? I have to chip it in. Watch out who you pass it to. You can't turn it over. So it was one of those deals where it was just it was a and then I go down to the, you know, Glennie Hanley down in Portland and I'd just I'd be me. You know, I'd be able to be creative. I had more rope. You know, it was one of those deals and and you know it is not a lot of communication, man. There's not they're not telling you, you know, it's tell you they're you got to you anything. Play. Nothing. You're just you're in your own head and you're trying to, you know, it was uh, just trying to be prepared as best you can. It's, it's like you, you get to the NHL and people don't even believe me. Like coaching pretty much stops, like individual coaching. Yeah, there's times assistant coaches work with guys, but in the end it's like do your job. And then they're also calling up first line AHL players to play on the fourth line in the NHL. It's like bring up a third or fourth line guy from the team down there. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. Like, like I said, right. You're on your own. There's no communication. You look at the, the morning board, you know, what line are you on? And then you're, you're, you're questioning yourself. Why am I on the fourth line today? I was on the second line. There's no, so yeah, there's a lot of, uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're kind of left, you're left out there on, a, on an Island there a little bit. So. so, so you end up going off to Finland at, at that point, did you think maybe your NHL dream was over and you're thinking, you know what, I might as well just go cash in, take care of myself and my family, as opposed to continually trying to do the up and down thing. Well, at the time I was, um, my agent was Bill Zito now at the Florida Panthers GM. Um, at the time it was four years up and down. I had my firstborn Olivia and we we're basically up and down sleeping in the, you know, the, the top drawer at the residency, you know, with my daughter, you know, getting called up, they'd come. So it was like one of those, like, can you trade me? And they're like, why would we trade you? 
basically, you know, you're a great asset. I'd always go down there, work my bag off, you know, three and three fighting, whatever. Oh. Right. And so that's kind of what, what I did. And then, um, and then finally I'm like, okay, they're not going to trade me. So then I, I went over, I was like, okay, Billy, what's the best, where should I go? Right. I could go to Russia. I chased a big buck, but I just wanted to prove that I could play at that NHL. So I went over there as a great hockey country, you know, two years there. And then, um, you know, obviously Lugano won a championship there and then world championships with team Canada. I got to see Don Waddell. I was back on the map and then I uh, got an opportunity to get back and I got all that confidence back. One of the lockout year in Finland playing against Saku Koivu and all that. And I was like, man, I'm no problem. I'm as good as these guys in my head. Yeah. I just got to get back, you know? So I got back and then I kind of turned more into the player that I knew I could be. That makes I sense. Think, yeah. I, I think it's, it's so true. You go over somewhere and you really find like the joy of hockey again. You love the game. No, granted you're playing first line and, and Helsinki, I think personally, is one of the best cities I've ever been to. Uh, by the way, for all single men out there, if you ever want to have fun and you speak English, go to Helsinki. Oh my God. But I mean, makes sense. Now they're in the KHL. I think so many guys want to go play there. You get to play in the, in the, in the Russian league without having to live there. Yeah. We have, that was a uh, bit Scandinavia. It's organic, pure. The Finns are amazing. Yeah. I got to live right in Helsinki. So, um, yeah, boys love their saunas and their vodkas. So, was, uh, yes. You, you, did you get to play with uh, Fapula there, Val? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he must have been what, like eight? Yeah, he was like eighteen then. Yeah, maybe sixteen. <laughs> yeah, 18. You, you could. Hey, could you tell though how good that guy was going to be? Yeah, that, kid, that kid was great already. Oh. You know, he's just smooth. What a pro! Yeah, great kid. You, I guess he's down here in the Tampa area. I guess he lives here. I've been trying to reconnect with him so. Yeah, Seems like everybody, hard. everybody gravitates back toward, uh, towards down there. You mentioned a couple times, you said you always knew you were as good. You always knew you were as good. H- have you always had that self-confidence that's been instilled in you where you, you know, you felt you could play at the top level? I think I have. Yeah. Just with uh, the training that I've known, like where I push myself to, you know what I mean? Always working as working out as hard as I can and playing as much hockey as I can. I just felt this inner confidence, you know, I'm putting the work in, that's why I tell the kids now that I'm training, right? You guys got to put the work in, you know, and, and you'll get discovered. So um, that's, that's kind of, I guess it was an inner confidence. You know what I mean? Uh, but I didn't, you know, it was, I wasn't a flashy share, you know, swag. I just go out there and do it. Metro, you find yourself back in the NHL, specifically Atlanta. We've, it seems like we've had a few thrashes on the show lately. Uh, what was your experience like there? Obviously they didn't last too long, but I, I always like to get players perspective of their time there. Yeah, it was just, uh, it felt just like such grassroots. You know what I mean? It just didn't catch on, you know? Um, but the team we had, there were Kovalchuk and Hosa. These guys are like world-class, like best players I ever played with. Like, unreal. But uh, the city just didn't appreciate the, the, the talent we had there, I guess. And I got traded at the end there where I was I was almost like half a point a game, I believe. Um, getting to play with Kovalchuk. I remember Bob Hartley telling me I was centerman. So I'd play uh, Colby and he'd be just like, Metro, you got to put out Colby's fires. I'm like, all right, well, he's turned a puck over the pool and I got to drive the net too and get back. It's like, holy <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, you got to uh, put out his play, fires. Play defense for two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was, um, it was a great experience going there. And I went to St. Louis. It was kind of one of those feelings that guys, that got, you know, I got traded with the Kachuk deal with about four first round picks. So, um, <laughs> Went there and everyone's kind of sitting on, you know, on pins and needles thinking they're going to get traded. And then that year finishes off. And here I am, right, with a, a team that basically just gave up, you know, at that time. And I went, here I am, you know, looking, um, looking into Boston. So uh, actually, though, quickly, um, we kind of jumped ahead because 
when you played the two years in Helsinki and then you went to Lugano, who, which I mean, my hope for when I went to Europe was to get to play in Switzerland. They told me to, my, the agent I was working with was like, there's zero chance because every guy wants to play. It's the most beautiful country in the world. You got to go there. Now, I know you said you ran into Don Waddell at the Worlds that year, but had you already re-signed back in Switzerland with maybe an NHL out? Like, how did it all come about coming back? And were there any other suitors besides the Thrashers? Um, no, at, at that time, while I was playing in Lugano, I was having a great year. Um, my agent at the time, I had a new agent, Larry Kelly, kind of reached out and said, you know, Don's showing some interest in you. You know, Okay, already. It was one of those deals. So I knew I always had that in the back pocket to go back to Lugano. I was leading the league and scoring and stuff. So I knew that. But my whole goal was to get back to the NHL, you know, prove everyone wrong. So, you know, I could have stayed over there and made a lot more money. I made in Atlanta, that's for sure. But um, – <laughs> It was okay. It was part of my journey. You know, I just wanted to play at the highest level and show everyone that was good enough and you know, I could compete at that level. Metro, I remember we had you in Boston just for a year. I mean, I thought you were a great Bruin. Was, did they ever give you a reason why they didn't want to bring it back for another year? I mean, you had some pretty good success here. Yeah, I think uh, that was the year that Burge went down with the concussion. Randy Jones hit him from behind. He missed that year, and that, that moved me up in you know, a more significant role with Claude Julian giving me – you know, I was playing with uh, Cole uh, – Chucky Kobusu and uh, Milan Lucic. We had a solid third line, grinding line, and uh, year went on, and then Burge was getting better. You know, Savvy, Kretschy was getting better, and it was like, well, this is what we have for you. You know, you're going to be put on a fourth line. I'm like, well, man, it's my time to kind of test the market a little bit, and that's kind of where I had a few other offers. Anaheim offered me a deal, and then Philly. I was like, no, I, I could probably fit in good with Philly, you know, the Flyers. And that's kind of how that came about, signed well, was it hard that you were never able to get comfortable anywhere at the, at the NHL level where you kept bouncing around where you, you know, you felt like you got your chance with Boston, you were playing well, all of a sudden you're out of there and then you're out of the next, onto the next team. Yeah. It can kind of hurt a little bit, right? Cause you felt like I was a Bruin, you know, I was, I was finally part of a, an organization, you know, where I had a, a significant role, but you know, the, the, the sports, I think they brought in uh, the Finn there, uh, just sorry, whatever fourth liner. Noki. Oh, no Kalinen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I man. played in Anaheim with him. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Great game. Yeah, a little, little spaz. But uh, they brought him in to you know, play that seven-minute role. And uh, and that's kind of where the, the Philly deal came about. That's just karma for you taking some Finns job with uh, Joker at those, those few years when you lit <laughs> it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, but what you got to experience – uh, somebody that Bruins fans will never forget is a 19-year-old Milan Lucic wearing number 62 for part of the season, <laughs> fighting anyone. It must have been jaw-dropping as a veteran older guy. Like this kid doesn't give a shit. Oh yeah, I think our was it our first uh, our first game was on the road. I think we're playing in LA, just that toe to toe with uh, that Ivanis or was it uh, Ivanis? Yeah, this guy usually and luch was just going all right here we go you know it was uh it was like okay and i was looking down at thorts too sean thornton at the time he's like wow this kid's this kid's got it so what a great yes yeah i love him great kid man what a what a a great kid that's right you are lucky to play in montreal as well for a couple seasons i mean obviously the hockey royalty there we talk about on the show all the time and then you end up you have like you know career high in goals you have uh what 29 points I think was it how frustrating was it that they didn't bring you back I mean I knew you were getting up there in age but you had one of your best career outputs and then they don't want to offer you a contract I must have been pretty pissed uh, pretty yeah, frustrated yeah, Excuse you, know, me. you know I was 35 right so that that you know the, the game was getting younger then you know and I'm you know I'm, I couldn't be a 10 minute guy with you know 36 year old legs so I could understand that philosophy and then um 
yeah, I did I didn't really have much on the table. So I was kind of I was I was ready to head back overseas. You know, could it have been uh, that you you showed up late to the pregame meeting? I was talking to Scotty Gomez. And he mentioned that one time you strolled in late. I don't, I don't know if you could tell the whole story if you remember somewhat of the punchline. Uh, I'm trying to remember which meeting that was. Well, basically, you stroll in late, and, you, and you're like, oh, sorry, boys, sorry, boys. You know, day of a game, right? Of course, you're nervous. You're, you know, maybe you're going to get taken out of the lineup. And, and you know, after you kind of apologize, I think Scotty Gomez is looking over, and he's realizing you have a Tim Hortons coffee in your hands. And he's thinking in his head, well, this guy knew he was going to be late, but he still had – Yes. Time to go stop and get a Tim Hortons coffee. And apparently you got stuck in the drive-thru. Well, I can't remember that story, but maybe, man. I could, that's, that might have been one. I don't know. I'm going to talk to Gomer about that one. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the only one he had for me as far as when, when talking to you. That and you have a pretty good shower voice. Well, yeah, I'd like to sing, but I got a, uh, that, that, that skills competition. They got that, um, you know, every year, every team kind of has that, uh, you know, fan day or whatever skills competition. Well, I remember we played – then we played the Leafs the night before and it was Sunday that we were going to do it. So I had all my family and friends from Toronto, right. They come in. I'm like, you know, we got Sunday off, you know, come on in watch the, you know, Gomez, Geo, all these guys do some skill stuff. I didn't think I was doing anything. So next thing you know, the game's over. We're, we're on Crescent street, you know, doing some shots and hanging out, hugging, wrestling. And I get up and I'm like, Oh man, I gotta go to the rink. And they're like, yeah, Metro, you gotta be in uh you're, you're going to shoot, you're, you're shooting the targets. I'm like, no, I'm not, man. I can't be shooting targets today. You're all red eyed. And uh, so anyway, we get, we get up there and Camilleri's up there. He hits all four of them. And, and I, I'm like, Gio, I'm like, I'm going to do, I'm going to take slappers. I'm taking clappers. You know, so next thing you know, I'm doing slap shots, pausing it, you know, teeing it up, clapping it. The last one, it was with one tee, blew it up. Whole crowd goes nuts. And it was uh, quite, quite a moment. It was pretty funny. All my buddies are up there watching, laughing. So. Like, I can't even open my eyes right now, and he's sniping top left. Yeah. Cheddar, like, what's going on here? This is how much of a natural he is. Pretty much. You're just having fun with it, you know what I mean? So, I heard a funny uh, – I actually heard a funny story of how you got to Boston. I was told <laughs> – I was told – no, tell me if this is incorrect. I was told you talked to Michael Collin or whoever was there and invited you to camp, and a couple hours later you get a phone call. Hey, your flights are all set. This one you have to be the airport from the secretary. You're like, what? I mean, you'd already just hopped in the car with your bag and was driving up from Atlanta, no? Oh yeah, I was. Oh, are you talking about from uh, from Atlanta, uh, Montreal to Philly or to Boston? Oh, I don't know. Merrick thought it was going to Boston. You just hopped in the car, didn't even wait for a flight to camp. You're like, I'll just drive up there. I don't give a shit. I did well. The the deal that what happened in Boston was that they had to make room for me, but we had a, we had a contract kind of verbally. You know, we got to make some room for you, and then. I was up there sitting in the you know, basically the boiler, uh, the boiler room. You know what I mean? Trying out, so it ain't working out. You know, but uh, that other story might have been that skated with Philly in the morning, getting ready to play that night, uh, and then basically got waived in the afternoon. I played against Philly that night in a Montreal jersey, which was just went down the hall. Just went down the hall. Yeah. Okay, boys, I'm here. You know. <laughs> it's so Jeez. awkward when that happens. Crazy. So Metro, after you wrap up the NHL career, you uh, go to Europe for seven years. So other than money, what's the priority when you're going back over there? Like as a location team you're playing for, what's, what's the priority then? Well, at the time, quality of life, um, story. So 2010 finished, right. And I'm kind of like, I'm ready to come over to Europe. I got a, I got a good deal on the table from that Euroslav team, um, locomotive and Brad McCrimmon was my coach in Atlanta. And I was going to sign a deal with them quite a bit of money. 
And um, so happened my, my, my ex now, but my wife at the time was like, no, we're taking it. We're not going there with the kids. I'm like, okay, but man, the money's, you know, could set us up good. So finally we're like, we agreed on going to Zook and that's uh, actually the year when the, the plane oh, went my down. Goodness. My locomotive. So I dodged, you know, I dodged one there. And then two years after having two great years in Zook, um, I had a couple more offers to get some big money in, um, in Russia. And I just said, no, I can't do that. So the next best place to kind of get money was Switzerland, right? You got quality of life, family, and, and then, um, that kind of ran. And then, um, you know, go to, you know, I went to Germany cause I still want to keep playing, you know, it, it was hard to get into Switzerland. It still is right. There's only yeah. about three or four imports allowed, but although they do pay the best, it's a, it's a very different style of game there over there, isn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah. They're, uh, um they're all about uh you know finesse you know what i mean pretty much you know but um they're, they're fast good skilled players i mean it's uh you got to think about the coaching right so you got the top coaches that go over there too right to teach their younger players so it's it's um quite quite a country i'm really impressed by the by the skill level i uh, i'm good buddies with taylor pyatt and he went over there and uh, he said some of the coaches have some very very odd philosophies and in some cases it's almost played like soccer because puck possession is so important yeah. Um, yeah. It depends on the coach that you had, right. I had a great coach, Larry Huris, where we, he's from Canada, Toronto area, North. And uh, we, we were kind of more North South team, but uh, you know, some other teams kind of have, you know, this, the Swedish coaches that are there, they're kind of more puck possession, come back, come in waves, that type regroup, of I, regroup I, uh, again, regroup. regroup again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Just get more, as much speed as possible. Like swinging down deep. I, yeah. I actually played for, um, Larry Harris and I signed with Moto and I only played two games. I was like minus 15 and retired because my ankle was shot. But Larry was the coach there. It, the team wasn't great. I think he ended up getting let go, but he was a great guy. I had a lot of fun with him in training camp. And I was wondering how it ended up for him in Switzerland because you had some good teams playing for him, right? Yeah, we had great players. Uh, Petri Numelin, uh, Peltonen, two great Finns, Hentonen, myself, uh, Jason York was there. The old uh, York defenseman. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so that was one of the teams, too. We had the best imports type. You know, they had the money, so they got the best guys pretty much. And then the Swiss guys were really good, too. So that's that's important. You know, it is over there. If you play for the top organizations, you get a better chance of winning. So. How many people a game – how many people at a game at, like, Lugano and Zug? Uh, Lugano, I think we held about 6,000 fans. Packed every night. Uh, the – the home section was always packed, but I mean, for some reason, you know what I mean? The, the, the games, it was, you know, the, not too many other fans were there, but the, they're loyal fans there. That's for sure. Zug a little bit smaller building, but a better, better feel, you know, a little tighter packed. It was uh, it's like going to a soccer match over there, you know, football, you know, where it's just, they're chanting, they got flares going. And they're just, not as crazy as the Finns though. The Finns are a little wacky. Are they not? The, the Finns are a little bit wackier. They're so shit faced. I, I played for Yoker and our, our, uh, our derby was against IFK, which was kind of like the blue collar. We're kind of, you know, guy, our team had money type. The, man, the, the, the clashes they would have. I mean, the, the riot police out there hosing people down. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> Hold on. You're know, playing hockey here, guys. Oh, so you guys were the cake cake eaters in Helsinki. You guys had, you guys were top notch, like like Manchester City and, and all those top end teams in the British Premier League. Yeah, we we're pretty uh, up there. Yeah, you're correct. Right. You know, like throwing shit at your bus on the way out of town and, and the, much, the whole yeah. All right. Cool rocks, was, uh, yeah. Metro, if uh, you could have to do one stop over again, which one would it be? Which, which you could do some more time in? Um, 
I love Boston. You know, like you were saying, I lived in Charlestown. I just love the diversity of the the city. You know, it's a great sports town. Um, but anytime you play in NHL, it didn't matter where, you know, but, but uh, you know, that'd be a great spot to kind of redo. You know, I loved it there. No, I, I want one other town I want to mention. I think it's, it might be one of the more underrated cities in, in pro hockey is Portland, Maine. Did you have a good time up there? Yeah, Portland was great. Uh, the, the, not too fun getting off the bus at four in the morning on, on a Sunday <laughs> after three and three, though. <laughs> it was cold there, but uh, love great restaurants. You know what I mean? Great, great time to be able to bond with teammates and have you know, have a great time there, too. It's, yeah, I love Portland, Maine. Love Would you ever get into uh, coaching at a higher level? I know you're coaching your kids right now, but you're going to look to get into uh, to maybe something in pro? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of focusing more on just player development. You know what I mean? Just doing that. I'm not really assistant coach coaching that way. I'm not – I'm not really aspiring to that right now. I kind of want to be more of a consultant, just help players, centermen, forwards. You know, that's kind of where I'm at now. You know, if, if a good opportunity came, then of course I kind of entertain it. But right now, just trying to work on my craft. You know, I'm on the ice every day with kids. You know, training. So, I uh, get the pylons. I got the pylons out there. Yeah. You got the iPads and all the skills coaches and, and all that stuff. Is that how you have to keep up nowadays? I'm not jumping through hoops or anything like that, man. I'm not about the clicks. I'm. I'm like, let's let, let's get back to the fundamentals and master that, you know. Absolutely. None of this, you know, learn how to use your speed, you know, gear set, you know. But um, you know, just trying to start my own thing, you know, the Metro method and giving back and helping kids. And I'm I'm surprised about the talent down here in Tampa, man. The the players are really good. And, yeah. I think I think uh, where professional teams are having success, you're seeing is a lot of guys starting to settle there and, of course, coach their kids. So you're seeing these these hockey hotbeds. I mean, St. Louis has been thriving quite a bit. I mean, you're starting to even see it a little bit in Phoenix, and I would imagine Tampa Bay is the same thing. Yeah, exactly. All these guys are staying around. Vinny's still around, LeCavier. You got, um, you know, Girardi's around, uh, Collimore. Got a lot of guys that are giving back coaching, you know. Callahan so you got Girardi running the shot blocking clinic, and then you with do the, Callahan. You know, the <laughs> yeah. I haven't How seen to battle Callahan through in, injuries. I've seen I've seen Benny a bit, but yeah, we're uh, yeah I've seen a few of the boys that are around, which are these kids don't realize that I would have dreamed to just meet anybody back in the day, you know, like Brad Smith. I mean, I would have died to meet any kind of Maple Leaf, but uh, these guys were around all the time. These kids just take it for granted, which is <laughs> it's, uh, it's something else. LeCavier's teaching kids how to toe drag around the kids. Callahan and Girardi are teaching how to go down and block the shot. <laughs> yeah. They made 40 million. I made a hundred. Teaching them how to parallel park his <laughs> Ferrari out front. Yeah. Hey, so um, Yipper told me you guys just ripped it up after you took down the DEL in Mannheim. A couple big nights. Yeah, a couple of laughing. Not, not much sleep. We're talking, uh, yeah, pretty – Pretty crazy times. Anytime you can win a championship, it's the old IVs the next day and back at it. You know what I mean? Just meeting up on you know the restaurants and keep going. And then I was playing golf with him, and I, he was like, "Yeah." Then the next year we came in. You know, we <laughs> we had kind of a long off season, and I came into camp with the groin injury and maybe Metro's knees hurt. And all of a sudden, we decided it'd be a good idea to golf at the owner's course. Till finally, our GM saw us. We were both at practice the next day. <laughs> Oh yeah, that wasn't good. Yeah, thirty-six holes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're injured. My knee blew up for some reason. I was pivoting around it perfectly, though. <laughs> oh but man! He took advantage of that golf. That's for sure. That's unbelievable. Yeah, sick setup. He said. Yeah, man. Well, Metro, we want to thank you for stopping by. I mean, is there anything else you wanted to ask him, Ra? 
Uh, no, I think we're good. Actually, now, now that I'm looking at the calendar, it's October. Were you ever t- taking an Oktoberfest while you were over there? Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Are those as crazy as yeah, they what, seem? What, yeah, what is the setup there? What is it just you go there and sit down at those tables and drink looking like dressed like those people or what? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. It's a, it's a big deal. You know, I had the whole leader holes in and paid like 250 bucks for this thing. So I'm like, I'm wearing this for class. So we get down, we have uh, we play a game and then basically you got the night, the day off and uh, it's basically huge, huge tents with just people just pounding pints, you know, singing. It was just a uh, you guys haven't did that. That's got to be on your bucket list, boys, for sure. Is it like the Calgary Stampede version of of uh, of like the Germans do it? Pretty much, yeah. Losing teammates. We had a team bus that yeah, we were leaving at ten o'clock. You know, and guys are missing a bus on a train the next day. It was uh, well, that could, that could happen, right? You know, in, in, in the outfits, were you guys fully decked out? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, is, is it like is it a full pot to show up without the outfit on? Because you see the the pictures and everyone's all dolled up. Pretty much, yeah. You need the leader hose, and yeah, you got the hat, and yeah, you got to like look Clark Griswold right. yeah. the European vacation. <laughs> you got to look the part, boys. Yeah, yeah, it's, love it. Definitely uh, do it. Well, thank well, you very much, Metro. It's good to catch up with you, and um, I mean, long shot to to make it. You did that, so I know now that the the Zamboni at at Moss Park signed by you. I was told, so it's a pretty yeah. incredible story. Congratulations. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Yeah, sure. yeah thanks for stopping by, pal. Yeah, boys. Uh, Stay at it, man. Love listening to you guys. Big thank you to Glenn Metropol for joining us. Definitely had a unique road to the show. I'm glad he was able to come on and tell everybody about it. And i got another note for you here. These following corrections are brought to you by Dude Wipes. Dude Wipes are the original flushable wipes for guys and are a great way for wiping off the shame when you screw up on your podcast. Everyone is stocking up on toilet paper with coronavirus, and you need to be stocking up on Dude Wipes. As dude wipes are better than toilet paper and are multi-purpose to use anywhere on your body. Dude has many products to stay clean and hygienic during this interesting time and all the time. If you're not using these yet while dropping a deuce, do yourself a favor and check them out. You'll feel so much better and fresher rather than using only shitty toilet paper. They truly will change your life. The dude brand has also expanded into a whole line of awesome products, including the new Dude Wiper, the 1,000 bidet attachment, which is a lean, mean, poop-destroying machine. And Dude Bombs. Dude Bombs, two-in-one bombs that you drop in the toilet. Prior to deucing, they create an indestructible barrier that instantly neutralizes stank in the air, leaving no trace of the crime. As seen on Shock Tank, Dude has something for everyone with your everyday hygiene needs. You can pick up this stuff at Amazon or Walmart. Or you can use the code HOCKEY10 for 10% off at DudeProducts.com. Once again, that's DudeProducts.com. Use the code HOCKEY10 for 10% off. And like I said, I'm using it, Biz, to wipe off the shame. Uh, I hate when I make mistakes on the show. Last week, we were talking about the reverse retro jerseys, and people thought I was shitting on the Devils. I wasn't shitting on them. I just thought that you could previously get that green jersey before. Well, I fucked up. You couldn't. Wow. It was the red jersey I was thinking of, and you, it was wow. actually the Suck green. On that one. I yeah. thought something. How many people perfect. said something to you? Um, a couple people, but they were nice about it. One guy said, "Hey, they never wore green before," and it just you just sometimes your memory plays tricks on you. And actually, my boy Frosty, he's the equipment guy. He called me out too. He's like, "What's up with that?" Oh, that's the so, last person you yeah, want mad at you in the world. I got Frosty Goodness. mad at me now, so oh. I told him. All right, you had a few screw ups on the last podcast. You oh. also said that the Canucks went to Northern BC. They didn't go to Northern BC. They just went a little north of Vancouver. 
No, that's well. I kind of just hopped in on that as well because I I think I knew what he meant. Uh, but there was I, also I, another I, one. You said the World Juniors yep. were going to be in Red Deer. They're only in. They're only in. Who, who said Red Deer? Two way street, Grinelli. If you want, I can do this all week. What did Grinelli do? What did Grinelli do? What did I do? Where did I screw up? Big pig piling over here. No, and my next note, I did say the World Junior was in Red Deer in Edmonton, and I did actually check the IIHF site. If you go on it, it still says Red Deer in Edmonton. That's what I read. Well, it turns out they said back in September they were just doing an Edmonton-only bubble. It was in the midst of the playoffs. You probably even said it on here. I forgot three months ago, I guess. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't in Red Deer in Edmonton. Uh, but So maybe the IIHF should take that off their website. Oh, I remember their website's trash. It would take yeah. them an hour to get the box score up after the World Juniors when I was there. It was bullshit. To look at your two apples. Yeah, so yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah. I think I was player of the game against um, – What's the country? Belarus. Uh, speaking of World Juniors, we're going to be, I believe we're trying to get Kirby Doc on and hopefully Rock, Cole yeah. Caulfield. We're going to get a few of these guys. We're going to ramp up the tournament. Maybe we'll get them fucking chirp at each other. I love then- biz. They're playing on Christmas this year. You don't have to wait till Boxing Day. They're playing on Christmas, bud. Got something to chill and watch on the tube. Christmas Day, going to light a fire, have a couple three cheese, and just melt into the couch. <laughs> Speaking of, I know Vancouver is not northern BC, Grinelli. I know it's in the southwest That's corner. Uh, but the Canucks anthem singer, Mark Donnelly, apparently is Dunzo. Um, he was sang at an anti mask event somewhere, I, I assume, in the Vancouver area. Uh, Canucks owner Francesco uh, Aquilini tweeted out calling the former singer. Uh, I don't know if he was on the ropes prior to that, but apparently that was uh, all the owner had to see. And is that the guy who looks like an back. opera singer? He looks. Looks like hair, an opera, he looks like an opera singer hair. at a state fair. That's what he looks like. <laughs> Somebody posted like Luongo's really let himself go like a couple of years after yeah. he left the team yeah. and he was really yeah. in there. That guy, that guy got gassed. He was oh, singing yeah. at it. He, so he's singing somewhere where nobody had masks on? No, no it was an anti-mask oh, event. Oh, it was, oh, it was, it was yeah. like, okay, okay. That's, yeah. yeah, that's like um, just yeah. – Funnier clip, though, than, um, than the people chirping him about looking like Luongo was when he was doing the anthem, but he decided to put the blades on. And he's just ripping around. He's oh. belting it out. He's killing it. <laughs> he's and killing then, it. And, and so. as the spotlight's falling, you're like, oh, there's a mat in the middle of the ice there. There's no way he's going beeline right for that mask or, or for the mat, excuse me. Completely didn't realize they were putting one up there. Just goes full tilt right into the mat. Ass flat on his face. It, he didn't really skip a beat, though. He kept going. Pretty good performance. But uh, he's, he's, had a, he's, he's, he's eaten a few L's, that's for sure. If you, if you watch the video, it's so obvious that the rug's right there. You're like, oh, he has to be planning a big stop, like when Luis triple, Mendoza triple, learns how to stop. Triple twister. And, he just, and, and then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, he ain't stopping, and it's just the mother of all toe picks. If I was on the, 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 the line of whoever was on the line staring at that and watching it, I would have started crying laughing right before the game. <laughs> really? Really? Oh man. There's <laughs> one. How funny one. that would be to see in person. There, there was, I don't know if it was world junior uh, or world championship, but there was a, a Canadian woman who they brought out and she, she messed up the anthem and she got so embarrassed. She walked back in and then finally they like, no, 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 you can do it. And they called her back on and as soon as she as soon as she stepped on the ice, she she slipped on the rug and she bailed. It was like and- my Monday. This sounds like my Monday. <laughs> 
Except she didn't get shit on. It, it was one of the most awkward, tough scenes. And if if I ever had to sing an anthem, I'd need the whole thing written down on the jumbotron. Not like that would help me either, because I can barely fucking read. But just as like, just as a safety net, the anthem thing is. You could know the anthem front, but the minute you step on that rug and or or you're performing it, like all karaoke can be lost. bar, in, like a karaoke bar in Philadelphia, biz. That's true. <laughs> Do you think you could go the whole U.S. anthem with? At, at the Boston uh, Garden, flawlessly, whether whether or not your voice was shit or not, but like the whole. No, I don't even words. know the words right now. I need somebody to sing it, and I'll sing along. But like, I could never just belt out. Oh, say, yeah, dude, I can't even get into it. Right, I couldn't. I, I'm trying to think. I'd, I'd be done within uh, ten seconds. All right, hey, can you? Yeah, see? I know the words, but I can't sing. I can't sing a lick, and I know that. They can't even um, sing in a fake voice. Go, going back to the anthem singer, though, a lot of people are making this push right now. Um, and it's a girl, I believe. I don't know if I follow her on Twitter. Let me find it here quickly. Everybody's trying to get her to be the next anthem singer, and I hope I get this right. Mary Huai. It's H-U-I. Is that right? Huai? Who? I'm, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. But we're, Fuck. We butcher enough names on it. so it's The classic business story that he's bringing up, then asking us if we know. I know. I suck with the fucking names. But she's a singer-songwriter. Uh, she's from Vancouver. She's done the anthem there before. A lot of people are vouching for her. So I think she's the next candidate to be uh, the anthem singer for the Canucks. So sorry for butchering that story forever. Was like, now I'm going to get – we're going to get roasted by Canucks Twitter again, for Christ's sake. Oh, God. Fucking don't start that again. Oh, oh, oh. Hey, Biz, I was, I'm obviously down in Florida. We mentioned earlier, I was walking down the street the other day and I look over and I see a fucking legit DeLorean in a driveway, like the coffin back to the future. Like, and it's registered here. Like, I don't know if the guy still drives that. I didn't ask him, but I, I took a couple of snipe pictures of it. But legit DeLorean currently registered. I'm assuming he probably takes it for Sunday drives, but pretty wild. Those things are like seeing like, a, you know, an albino fucking elk in the wild. You don't see them. Yeah. Often. Yeah. I kind of like really when you... to, I, I didn't really know what to give you there. No, that's um, all right. That's I was going to bring up uh, and, and Grinnell. I think you reposted it. Austin Matthews uh, is he established himself as the new Quadzilla of the NHL? Oh, Grinnell, he's like pulling his back. fucking shorts up and shit. He's like he's basically telling well, he's showing him to fuck him. He's off. Showing him, he's got yeah, he's got mini fridges in his quads built in. He he's he looks like if. Uh, if you got buried and had to have like surgery and then like, you know, you have a scar forever. Like it looks like it's swollen. If that makes any sense. They're fucking big dude. They, they stood out. I, I like the fact that those two are working out together, man. You got to think they can only make each other better. You know, one of the premier passes. I was wondering about that. Scorers. Considering they're going to be in the same division now. Yeah. Too. McDavid and, and Matt, I think they're sharing a chef too. Ooh, really? That's what I think. Have you been over? Have you been over to any of their skates? Oh yeah, they they probably they have biz running the skates. (laughs) Oh yeah, me and Pierre Um, (laughs) (laughs) eating video for breakfast. Hey, he's got the Joe Louis, the cigarette, and the Diet Pepsi. And uh, if if they're a sponsor of the podcast, if not, we could just bleep that out. Uh, Anyway, uh, but yeah, no, it's awesome that those guys are working out together. But no, I've not been over that skate. But uh, I've been over to Austin Matthews' crib. He he lives in Arizona in the off season, and uh, great trainer. Interested to see how this season's going to play out for him because a lot of the action's been going on down down here as far as like the high end training. Even with the Coyotes, like all these guys have been together going to the trainer and and 
most of the guys are on the ice together. So if anything, yeah. the Coyotes have an advantage going in this one. So they're the cup favorite. Get no down excuses on the fucking this year. Get get on the fucking gambling corner, all right? Tell them cup favorite. Hey, I get Coyotes. fucking. I get the fucking L.A. Rams at fifty-five to one. Not too bad right now. Oh, so you're rooting against the the Pats tonight? Well, to, not necessarily. It's just one game. I don't. It's yeah. not. I mean, it may you affect. Need to get, you need to make. Are they even for sure yeah, in the playoffs? The Rams? They're in there right now. Yeah. But, okay. Yeah, well, whatever. That's What's their the, record? Seven the and five. I, I'm not sure. I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. Oh. I'm asking up to date NFL stats. I just. Hey, uh, you're the right guy to ask about this. This uh, new television show. I don't know if it's a movie. Uh, Mario Lopez. He's playing kfc have you seen this whole trailer that got got launched no was that a, I, was that a, I, 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 I saw that i thought it was like a joke i thought it was yeah, like an ad i had to do a double take there so i thought it was a spoof at first but apparently it's real but it might in fact be paid for by kfc just to make this this sharknado type film to where it's so ridiculous and the storyline's crazy and this trailer oh. just has everybody intrigued as to what's going on oh well, it's a lifetime movie Oh, enough said. It's a lifetime movie. Like, what does that li- mean? Well, lifetime movies are they're like kind of cheesy soap opera type movies made for. Well, I wouldn't say they're not geared toward the male population. Um, not being misogynistic here, but basically, lifetime movies are kind of cheesy love story type movies that you know um, skew toward more of the female population. So, Mario so Lopez basically, is they're, they're not known for the high. Sanders. They're not known for like. You know, you're not going to see any Oscar contenders here. AC Slater's playing Colonel Sanders. Correct. And uh, shifting away from that, Queen's Gambit was awesome. Oh, you watched it? I I haven't watched it yet. I'm just like, I don't know why I haven't. Not only the the whole whatever happened, but the music just kind of put it to a different level. Very good seven episodes. Uh, Really, really good show on Netflix. Did that show end? Or was it an obvious ending? Or is there a second season? I don't want to give away the ending. Okay, but I thank you, over. thank you. And will will episode one? I'll watch it tonight. Will it grab me, or will I be like, ah, uh, hundred? The, the whole percent. The the whole hook of the show is episode one. It just fucking okay. pulls you right in. It gets you in. Okay, perfect. Yeah, That's what I need. You know, you know, it. some Breaking Bad. You know, shows where it does take a little bit, and it's well, they got to get you early because it's only seven episodes. Yeah, true. Very yeah. true, Biz. Very true. You guys are masters of the TV and- world. I know I mentioned it before, but I will again. Ted Lasso, if you have Apple TV Plus, um, it's a show I, I put on a couple times before I get into it. Fantastic show. Uh, another one busy. I don't know if you have Apple TV Plus, give it a whirl. It's one of those, if you might need a couple episodes to get rolling, but once you do, it's a, it's a fantastic show. Um, we've got another note here. Do you see breakdancing is going to be part of the 2024 Paris Olympics? What is it? I mean, it's a hell of a skill, but it seems like it's something that maybe would have been more relevant 30 years ago. I think it's fucking joke that that's in the Olympics. <laughs> when you think of the Olympics. No lacrosse, but breakdancing's in the Olympics. I don't need to talk. I don't even need to give my argument. Grinelli, boom. I think what they're doing is they're trying to like, they're trying to create these events to where it will go viral. And they're they're almost think, thinking too forward ahead to where like what they're trying to like catch the curve or whatever it is. But as you said, I think this is like out, a little bit outdated. But I'm very intrigued as to the first year and how it's going to be introduced. And it, the fact that they're taking out all these like traditional sports that was originally why the whole Olympics was created to me is is mind boggling. But ultimately, they're trying to like they're they're trying to transition into what like people online will be talking about, right? Well, dude, if if you're actually going to like 
think of the Olympics and what you consider it to mean? Like you think of like Jesse Owens and Mark Spitz and the 1980 Olympic team and like fucking Michael Johnson in Atlanta. Like, and then you got J-Lo's like backup from a rap video. What the I mean, fuck, dude? It's a great point. The Olympics. It's a, it's great a great dancing. Point. You can. I wish I could. I sucked at it. Oh, oh, I'm not saying. I'm not. That's not my argument here. I would love to be able to break dance. If you could tell me I could break dance, that'd be. Un- I can't even move. Your like argument as J Lo's backup dancer. It's not, not the Olympics. Medal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like okay, I have fair. a silver medal. I don't need my silver medal from my 17 seconds played. To be tarnished by some guy who who has Popping his own dance, dance studio in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some kid on fucking TikTok to doing stupid breakdancing videos has a, yeah, a gold medal and you're legit. You're the one. There could be a TikToker who comes and grabs the gold. Like That's true. imagine on like the Wheaties box. It has to, <laughs> it has to have like fucking neon colors for the breakdancer who won the gold for the US. Yeah, he'd be getting more airtime than Jerome McGinley. Oh yeah. my God, did you How about see that? that? Yeah. I don't blame. I don't blame the the person interviewing them at all, right? Like, I don't think. Do you think they even knew who it was? No, hundred percent. No, they had no chance. They had no which chance. Is off, which makes it even more which, awesome. Actually, it doesn't even. Uh, actually, it's not even just the interviewer though, because then whoever put it on and edited the film back at the studio. Wasn't like, oh my God, like that's Jerome McGinley. But if you're not a hockey fan and you're and right. that's your job, how do you? I mean, he he only played in Boston for one year. It's so it's not like he was here for a long time. Where like you know, someone who works in a newsroom, even if they're not in sports, wouldn't <laughs> immediately recognize him. Just for those listening, they were doing one of those man in the street interviews, or man at a rest stop, and the woman interviewed uh, Jerome Ginla, like talking about a snow, and he was like, "Oh, Canada, this is nothing," but blah blah blah. Just kind of gave stock hockey player answer. And, you know, people called out the station like, oh, did you realize that was Jerome McGinley? And like, yeah, the woman didn't realize it. But then a bunch of other interviews came up, similar circumstances. Somebody grabbed Roberto Luongo doing a man on the street uh, of Alexander Ovechkin at a gas station. And then there's a hilarious one. It's uh, Clay Thompson. He was uh, in New York and they stopped him and asked him about scaffolding in New York City. And he stopped and gave his like dead serious answer. (laughs) That's hilarious. I, there's yeah. one of Ovechkin. Yeah, he was at a gas station, like, and it it, it didn't appear the person interview him. No, no, he was like this superstar Russian player in the, the, for the local team. It, it, uh, the the Jerome one was about the weather, me. wasn't it? About the snow, kind of had that feel to it. Uh, Do you ever see the the two jogging, uh, the two joggers? Excuse me, the the couple. And they're like, actually, you know, when it snows like this, it's kind of like an extra little cushion on the ground. They do the interview and she's like, oh, yeah, so confident. And then they end up trotting off and she slips on a sheet of ice and in right in the concussion protocol. She's out four to Ouch. six, a base light. It, it, it's, it's not like funny, obviously, seeing someone get hurt. It's not funny. But like she was so confident about the fact that this like snow on the ground was going to help cushion anything that was happening. And Sound. Yeah, yeah. So I'm walking on snow, I'm walking like so. I'm walking the same way you think a guy who'd get fooled by a Twitter DM <laughs> to give your email and shit. You got fished. That's how I'd be walking. Yeah. I mean, I'm just like so careful. Bingo. I can't. I have trouble balancing on the concrete. Hey, Biz, do you have um, do you have HBO or access to HBO on your TV? Yeah, I think I got access to HBO. You, you got into it. it. No, there's a show. It's called How to with John Wilson. 
It's a fucking hilarious binge. There's like six episodes. They're like 25 minutes each. And this guy, he just records random shit all over New York City. And then he'll take a theme and he'll like kind of build the video around the theme. It's wicked clever, dude. It's like kind of hard to describe when you watch it, dude. You'll laugh your balls off. It's great, obviously, if you smoke a joint and watch it because it's like it's a wicked stoner comedy. But it's also like this guy, the way he edits what's happening in New York City with what he's saying. And he does a different theme each episode and ties it all together. Dude, you can piss through it in like three hours. It's fucking, it's a little out there, but... I, I highly recommend it. It's it's uh right. it's a very unique show. How to with Joe Wilson? Queen's game at first. Yeah, I know Queen's we've uh, I know we've been rambling on quite a bit. Um, wait, I didn't tell you about my uh, my neighbor situation oh. last week. Why? Well, just like I've been I've been moved in here for a while for this new place and uh, new apartment, same complex I was in, but uh, the neighbor above me just like it's like bowling balls hitting the floor. Oh, at some dude. points in time for for hours on end. And I'm a pretty like repeatedly patient. or just like at random times or like, like j- just like an odd, like an odd yeah. pattern to where you're, 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 I'm like, okay, is somebody wrestling up there? Like, you know, is there, are they, are they fucking bowling? Yeah. Um, are they sue? I don't know what's happening to where, because the patterns aren't necessarily similar all the time or from, from any of these sequences. So finally it got to one night, it kept going for about an hour. And I said to, to Katie and I'm, I'm trying to be a patient neighbor here because you know I've been a young guy in the past and probably create a little bit of noise for my neighbors uh you think so I so I yeah yeah, yeah. so I say I, I gotta go say something so I I go up and I'm high as a kite when I finally have to decide this so I go upstairs knock on the door and this you know little nerdy guy answers the door and he's kind of like out of breath and, and mind you going into this I'm thinking you know, gag could, ball in his mouth this could be <laughs> This guy could have a sex swing set up in his goddamn <laughs> living room, and I'm interrupting, interrupting his, his uh, orgasm, and or I'm getting uh, Jeremy Yablonski, who's yeah you know, UFC, you're done, cave, cave my goddamn face in. So this, you know, fairly I don't want to say nerdy, but just like a you know common looking guy, like Rick Moranis, out of breath, and I'm like, so I'm relieved that it's not Jeremy Yablonski going to knock me out, and I'm like. Hey man, like I've been waiting to come up and say something, but the, you guys are just like you're pounding on the floor, and and he's like, oh yeah, we were just finishing up our ping pong match, and they on the piece of granite on the island they made out of what seemed like uh, cardboard from pizza boxes, they separated it in half, and they were playing this ping pong match between three guys where it continued. I don't know even know it was like Chinese oh, so checkers. They're, run, they're running around, yeah, running around, just stick, oh. trampling and. So I, I finally was like, oh, no, all, all good. But he, they've continued to keep playing. No. So do I have to go challenge this fucking guy to a game to say, hey, if you beat me in this island ping pong granite match, keep playing. Play all fucking night. I don't care. But if I beat you, there's no more ping pong being played. On do, you play, do you play ping pong? No, but I would get a trainer and I'd fucking dummy this guy. And... It, it, I, I, I want to record it to show you guys what I'm dealing with here. Do you think I've been a fairly reasonable neighbor? Yeah, you know what? I would. You don't really necessarily have to go up there now that you have once, but you could grab like a, that CCM twig behind you and just like hammer into the ceiling yourself a couple times. Tried, like, try, I tried the like couple the remi- taps. The the ce- I tried the taps to the ceiling. I tried it. No, and they don't I, care. They, well, don't they probably have music it. pumping and they're running around the kitchen. Yeah, I mean. That that's that goes a little bit. They're not doing anything that they like need to be doing, right? And they're kind of ruining your 
I don't know. I wonder what the I wonder what the public thinks. But if I'm you, I'm immediately getting. I'm a new trying place. to be patient, but I'm ready to put my sweatband on and fuck this guy up in a match of ping pong and shut his ass down. I'll even, so my my I'll AOL even... name was Ping Pong King nineteen. <laughs> my screen name. Anyway, I, I, sorry to bore you guys with that story, but uh, that's what's been going on at the business that, household. That's just annoying, though, dude. Oh, when you're just like at home, and you're chilling, all of a sudden, boom, boom, noises like that come out of nowhere. That would drive me insane. Sorry no, to rub got, it in. No, we got Forrest fucking Gump upstairs buzzing around. Forrest, <laughs> really. Uh, wait, anything wait. else we got here? I know Grinelli's getting a little tired. He's yeah. got to edit this bad boy. Uh, I think I think that should just about do it, unless you had any other stuff you guys wanted to delve into. I think we've can't delved think into it quite a bit. I can't think of anything that we didn't get into. Oh, actually, um, when we told you guys we're going to once a week, first round of playoffs, too, we'll be pumping out two a week, or the beginning of playoffs, at least, where we're kind of going, and when we have you know that much action we're talking about. So I, I wanted to mention that. And was there another thing? I wrote something down. No. no. We okay. can wrap up. That yeah. was a, f- a fun pod. Big thank you to um, Alan Walsh. That was very interesting. Wouldn't, wouldn't uh, Sewer Flurry, the meme god. Yeah. and uh, The loyal guy. You got to like it. And Glenn Metropolit. So thank you guys, and uh, we'll see you soon. Peace. Have a, have a great weekend, everybody. As always, we'd like to thank our fantastic sponsors here on Spit and Chicklets. Big thanks to our friends over at New Amsterdam Vodka and Pink Whitney. Big thanks to our new friends at 3Chi. You guys have been taking great care of us. Hopefully, you folks check them out. Big thanks to our buddies over at Boykies. The Biltong is the best stuff out there. Huge thanks to our friends over at Cross Country Mortgage. If you're looking to get into the game or refi, by all means, check them out. And a big thanks to our friends over at Dude Wipes for keeping us clean during these sweaty times. Have a great weekend, everybody. Motto's always been when it's right, it's right. Why wait until the middle of a cold, dark night? When everything's a little clearer in the light of day. And we know the night is always gonna be here anyway.